We have a Frontier League preview and a lot else on the Frontier this week. You don't want to miss this week's episode of the Indie Bar Report Podcast. We're back again. Episode number 219 of the Indie Ball Report Podcast. I'm Nick Keyswell, and we have a preview. We have an all-star game announcement. We have actual independent league baseball talk for three of the f- core four leagues. So we have a lot to get through today, and it's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting, and it's probably going to go on for about two hours. You would assume. You, you would assume. It's, it's going to be a long one, but, you know, it's a fun time of year. Lots of lots of baseball to talk about, uh, as well as our. I guess I don't want to. I don't know if it'll end up being our longest preview, but certainly the most teams to preview. Oh yeah, no, it definitely is going to be up there among all of it. When you have sixteen teams to get through, even in doing it in the new format of like, oh, these are good batting teams. These are the good pitching teams. These are kind of the all around, and you know, you guys know how it goes. Even with that format, it's still going to take a while. I mean, last week we were nearly at two hours and we had six fewer teams to get through. So right. this week is going to be going to be fairly long. Plus we actually have some meaningful news and other leagues to talk about. And Rich really even includes the frontier league because they've been playing for about a week now. Right. Exactly. I mean, that's, I guess when the American association, and the frontier league are starting at pretty much the same time, yeah. You kind of have to, uh, you gotta pick. Yeah, you got you got to pick, and we picked the way we did, and now it's time for the long one. Exactly, exactly, and plus that doesn't even acknowledge the fact that in about four or five days we have the Pioneer League starting up, and this weekend for the handful of people that care, the USBBL also starts. Not that <laughs> it really matters all that much to be blunt about it. But every once in a while, I get a couple of players out of there, and it's kind of a fun yeah. little circuit league, arguably the better version of whatever the hell Salem Kaiser's attempting. So, you know, it's good to note that. It sure is. It sure is. I mean, good to note that, you know, the Maverick League exists. Mavericks <laughs> League, Maverick League, I don't know. I think it's Mavericks League. We've done this before. I mean, they're not important enough for us to remember. Again, I feel yeah. bad because we've had people from both of those last two leagues I mentioned on this show. But yeah. again, like it just it doesn't hold enough weight for me to really remember that amongst all the other things in this sea of information I need to recall on a moment's exactly. notice. But one thing I don't have to really worry about forgetting is where the American Association All-Star Game is going to be held because... Funny enough, we did have someone from this host city on the show, their manager, in fact, and we got to find out where exactly this All-Star game would be on Thursday, and it was announced that it would be the Milwaukee Milkmen hosting the All-Star game in Franklin, Wisconsin, uh, first time in team history, as the team's only about three or four years old, uh, they will host an All-Star game, All-Star weekend, July 17th and 18th which really is my Monday, Tuesday. So it's not really a weekend. It's not a true weekend, but hey, we're going to call it a weekend anyway because it flows a little bit better. Uh, so that's your dates for that. As far as other events and whatnot, over in Derby's going to be on the 17th. Game's going to be on the 18th. There's going to be a craft beer and soda festival, a uh, par three tournament golf outing set up as well. 
live music, some kids' activities, and a lot more going on at the Ballpark Commons. It's a whole kind of development area where that uh, stadium is, to my understanding, where they've really built up the, the whole area around it. So it's more of a community-type thing, so you don't just come for the ballpark. You come for a bunch of other events in that area as well. So it's a real boon to that area. Uh, and it seems like this is a good time to give it to a newer ballpark, to an area where the American Association has shown a lot of interest in, namely with two of the most recent teams being in Wisconsin. So it seems like a good place to put it, especially after being in Chicago last year. So it'll be interesting to see uh, where it goes going forward, as the newer ballparks seem to be the trend here. But it is a great location for this year's All-Star festivities. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it definitely... Of course, one of the newer ballparks, as you mentioned, Nick, and a great facility up there, a good location. Um, I guess, like, you would think the American Association probably wants to lean more towards putting games in that general vicinity. In that general vicinity, I mm. feel like it's just easy. I mean, you have a, a bigger population base; it's a little bit easier for uh, fans to get to as well. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean the the. Milwaukee being able to host it and them kind of just, uh, I mean, being one of the league's newer teams, newer stadiums, uh, certainly a plus, And I think they'll do a very good job. Uh, I think they'll do a very good job hosting it. I'm interested to see though, like maybe like next year or something, they start to head back down uh, South a little bit, get done some love or kind of stick around in the, in this area. Yeah. And I definitely see them kind of sticking around there. Maybe at Kansas city, I could see possibly being on the radar, I think we really need to get that Birdcage 2024 campaign off the ground and running Bird right now. Birdcage 2024. Yeah, we need to restore our history in this league. They play to win, but we should be playing in these historic ballparks. I'm even open to Sioux City 2024. Let's get some of these older ones there, which are nowhere near population hubs in th these then, uh, events. And then... And then when you get there, like, yeah, we're going to do, uh, there's like 10 players on a side. We'll, uh, position players got a pitch because nobody wants to come out here. Uh, oh, all that God. good stuff. Yeah, we'll go ahead and do that. We'll, better yet, we'll have the locals play against the pros, Joe's versus pros game. Uh, oh, I mean, honestly, though, that would be actually kind of low key a fun, like, day one event. I think it would be fun for like a little bit and then it would kind of be like, I'm only right, talking like I'm talking like an old timers type of game set up here oh. we're playing like five or seven games. Not not like veteran players. I'm talking like only five or six innings we're playing with Joe's versus pros. We're, I'm not talking like a long game here. Okay. Yeah, fair, fair, fair. Yeah, it's like a five inning game. I think that'd be kind of fun. Yeah. Well so actually would be really fun and I know it would be hard to make it work, but I assume we have some people from the American Association listening and they may want to try and run with this. So here's just a great idea, guys. And if you can make it work, great. If you can't, I get it. What would be fun is if you were able to go onto Twitter and Facebook and all of them and find all the negative comments to talk shit about the players, you know, like, oh, these guys aren't that good. You know, these guys are, it's basically men's league. Find all those types of comments. Bring them in and have them play against the pros. Because <laughs> imagine that dude that's talking shit because he was like the third string pitcher on his JV or his JV team in high school or some BS like that, having yeah. to throw against Delano De Shields. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know how internet trolls work. Though. I mean, yeah, I know it won't work really about that action. I know, but if you could find someone that want the smoke, I mean, like 
I would love to see that. I'd love to see a dude just step in the box against like Nate Gherkin or someone. Not even like one of the really hard throwers, but a guy that can he can get in the nineties and just blow it right by him. Like how yep. great would that be? It would be incredible content. I just yeah. I don't see people actually being yeah. willing to do it. Oh, you know it would be, but it'd be just fun as hell to see it. And the guy I'd actually yeah. want to see throw to these guys is like Nate Hadley. Because Hadley can get up there. He yeah. touches high numbers. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Uh, just imagine 95 coming in chin high. Not fun. That would scare the shit out of me, to be honest with you. <laughs> sure would. I didn't play baseball past eighth grade, so. Yeah. Uh, uh, I just imagine that. Where you don't, like at yeah. that point, you don't even see the ball. You're just like, oh shit. And then yeah. all of a sudden, it's like, oh wait, these guys actually can play. They're actually pretty good. Literally. Yeah. Literally, but, exactly. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so All Star Game, that's where it is. A lot of cool events there. So if you're in the Franklin, Wisconsin area, be sure to go ahead, head on over for that. Tickets go on sale May 30th uh, for that. While we are on the American Association, we will switch over to some American Association talk so far. This season, there has been. Uh, some interesting developments, I'd say. I think the most interesting of all of them, to be quite honest, is the fact that the Kansas City Monarchs are off to a rather poor start. Obviously, we're mm-hmm. only five, six games in, depending on the rainout situation, because we had a lot of rain to start the year. But one in four for the Monarchs, they had a, a rough go of it against the Railcats of all teams, losing two or three to them. I watched the one last night on Thursday, the day game. And the Railcats jumped out big, Monarchs fought back, but they never really took command, and the Railcats held on, they won that game, and I gotta be honest, what I took away was the Railcats are a decent little team, I think they have some fight in them, it'll be interesting to see, I don't think they're gonna maintain this, they're 3-2 and two right now, and obviously again, really early, hard to really say anything, but... They look pretty solid there. And the Monarchs, it just seems like they don't really have it all together right now. It seems like we have a lot of early season slumps here. Yeah, definitely not yet. Of course, you want to preface very early on by saying, you know, it's five or five. Any teams have played anywhere from five to seven games and 100 games late. We talked about in the preview that both of us agreed that this Kansas City team, they look good on paper, but they don't look like the, the juggernaut that they have been. Mm. In the past. Now, I, I don't want to take away a ton from, from five games. I think you certainly got to give Gary a lot of credit for, for how they played in that series. I mean, Gary, of course, blowing their doors off 13 to one in one of those games in that series really helps yeah. too. Uh, I mean, yeah. Railcats off to a three and two start helps, but yeah, I, I think early on though, and, uh, it's, it's certainly interesting. However, especially in a league where four teams in the division make the playoffs, you'd think they'd be fine, but, uh, a, a pretty a big series coming up this weekend though against a team in Sioux Falls who's three and four right now, but uh, historically not been one of the better teams with the Monarchs not back at home. A series you'd like to see. I don't want. I nothing's must win or anything this week yeah. on, but but you'd like to see them have a, a positive and a good showing this weekend, uh, which should which should be interesting to watch. But yeah, I, I think it's. Them losing four to the first five is certainly something notable, but it's way too early to really sound any sort of alarm bells or anything. Yeah, exactly. I mean, also it's important to keep in mind it's a hundred game season. We're only, like you said, five or six games in, but it, once we get past the next two series, all of a sudden now we're kind of a tenth of the way down with the season, rapidly approaching the quarter mark. 
So now we're going to have to start paying a little bit more attention here just to throw the context out around it. But what concerns me the most about Kansas City, and you're right, Will, when we looked at them in the preview, we said they're still probably one of the top two or three rosters in this league, but they aren't the same Kansas City team that they had in the past. There's just not the depth there that they had in uh, previous years, mainly in 21 and in 22. But what concerns me is you see a lot of crooked numbers here. A 10-1 loss to Sioux City, a 7-0 loss to Sioux City the following day. They answer back in game three, lose by one, two to one. Then they come back, they win 10-4. Then they get blown out in the 13-1 game, like you mentioned. And then yesterday, uh, they lose 8-6. So it seems to be the trend of go, get blown out, fight back, win the next, get blown out, fight back, win the next. And again, trends are hard to find early, but it it does seem to be that way when you get outscored in the series, what, 19 to 2? That's not a great look. And then even still going beyond that, you get you get uh, outscored by about another four to 10 runs again the following series. And it's not even like they're unable to put up runs. We see them put up a 10 spot and a six spot. So they can put the runs up. It's just the consistency about it early on. And if you look at the team leaders too, another bit of a concern for me at least, and I understand that they've only played in two different ballparks. So home runs aren't exactly a great gauge here, especially with Gary being one of those ballparks, not really a home run hitter's ballpark. Uh, but only one guy's hit a home run. That's Chris Herman, and he's hit two. Nobody else has a home run. Uh, only two people have more than one RBI, Herman again and LJ Hatch. Uh, and then Gavin Collins, I think it's Gavin Collins, it's Collins for certain, and then Herman are the only guys batting above 300. Yep, Gavin. Uh, those are the only guys that are hitting above 300 at the moment. And Justin Wiley comes in in third, batting 273. And again, I understand five games. I, I understand all that. But even still, there's not like a whole lot of offense here. It's not really a reliable base here. You know, you don't have the guys that are getting on base that are moving around on base. You don't have guys that are hitting big bombs or anything like that. You just, you don't have that. And the pitching seems to be fine for right now. Obviously, you know, the three games that were quite frankly blowouts aren't great, but everything else was fairly close. And at a certain point when it becomes a blowout, you know, how accurate is it to say, oh, the pitching's that terrible? You know, how many substitutions how many substitutions are you making in a 13 nothing ball game really you know like at a certain point it's like hey man you got to go eat this one for us we can't afford to burn the arms right exactly so especially that especially that early on in the season like you don't yeah. you can't you got to play the long game and you know losses happen early on you just you just got to play the long game and play for the 100 game season and again i think way too early to draw any major conclusions but Certainly makes you raise your eyebrows a little bit. I think is the best way to best way to put that. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, like I'd want to mention just going down to some other teams now. I'd want to mention Lincoln, but I don't think we were really that high on Lincoln. I think he had them as a playoff team. I don't recall having them for me for playoffs here, but they're also off to a kind of a slow start. But they always are mm-hmm. like a 50-50 team. Yeah, look, they're a five, they're a team that's gonna mingle around. Uh, they're they're gonna mingle around five hundred. Do what they do. Exactly. They're, they'll sort it out. They'll go ahead, have a slow start, keep it around four or five games under 500, then tear off six games in a row for a win streak, and then they'll drop four in a row, and then we'll be waiting down the stretch to go, oh, are they going to figure this out, or is this just what they're going to be doing? 
Exactly. Yeah. So you don't you don't really know what they are for a little bit. I mean, as for not just them, I mean, there's a lot of other teams too. So uh, early season, so certainly some interesting uh, interesting results. But yeah. again, it's teams have played five to seven games. Exactly. You got to pump the brakes a little bit. That's what Sioux City's kind of impressive early on. Yeah. I mean, I I think I, I had them in the playoffs today. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they, you may, I think we had them on the edge because I know one of the players reached out and was like, "Hey guys, uh, we feel like we're gonna make the playoffs. The clubhouse is different, but appreciate the shout out." <laughs> I was like, I'm "Pretty sure I had them in the playoffs." Hold on, I'll go back. I'll check it. Uh, but yeah, no, they they surprised expectations so far. I didn't think they were gonna handle Sue, uh, handle uh, Kansas City as well as they did. Yeah. I don't know. I, I I think I had them. Pretty sure I had them in the playoffs, but we can go since took so long ago. Yeah, yeah. I mean, really, it it takes a while there. So, I guess on that note, if there's nothing else, which I will mention one other thing here, Josh Altman's been off to a tear to start the year. That dude is oh, it, killing it. He's a beast. He yeah. is a stud. Had them in there. You had Sue. I had Sue Falls. You had. Uh, Milwaukee, Kane County, Cleveland, Chicago, Fargo, Moorhead, Kansas City, Lincoln, Winnipeg as your teams. Oh, I did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, now it's coming back to me. Yep. So there's that. Oops. Eh, well, that happens. Which I've got to say, like, for a team that's been on, like, a tanking tear for uh, Sioux City, how the hell do you lose the Lake Country? Like, no disrespect, but, like, Lake's not really the greatest team in the world here. Yeah, I don't know. It's early. Yeah. That's the best thing I could say. Yeah. Which the reason why I mentioned uh, Altman, two, uh, he's batting 476 with four home runs and 11 RBIs. He's killing it. Love to see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he's been a really good hitter for a while. So mm-hmm. uh, him uh, certainly in the power department as well. So off to a red hot start, certainly. Yep. Definitely there. So on that note, we'll switch it over to the Atlantic League, get some Atlantic League talking before we hit up this Frontier preview. And hopefully we'll be able to talk a little bit about the Frontier League season so far. And, but we'll address all that in a second. Atlantic League up first. High Point has the best winning percentage in professional baseball at the moment at a four at an 842, which is damn impressive. And I didn't really truly realize how great they were, but they're 16 and 3 at the moment and kind of running away with this division. Yeah, I mean, they were... And Gastonia twelve and six, nothing to sneeze at either. Yeah. Quick shout out to Frederick. Is Frederick going six and thirteen right now? Oh and thirteen to start the season and have won six straight. Ever Absolute since we, Ever since we wrote them off and we're like, this team is just like they're not gonna compete in this half. Then they came out, beat Lancaster as we were recording, wound up sweeping them and then swept uh Lexington to keep it going. I'm impressed with this team. Outrageous, just yeah. just crazy. But regardless, we'll get to them. Uh, yeah. On the high point end of things, though, I mean, yeah, they they are in just white hot. I mean, their pitching has been out of this world good. Um, and I think that's the the biggest thing you can point to. And you have a team ERA, uh, especially, which I, I will say as a general point early on, the pitching hasn't been too bad in the Atlantic League. It's yeah. certainly looked at least early on. In, it of looks course, the pretty good when you look at the leaderboards. The pitching is going to be better, always going to be better early in the season as opposed to later. But so I think a good sign for the league in general. But I mean, High Point is like a full run ahead of, uh, ahead of the rest of the league. I, they're, they're, that's how good that their pitching staff 
uh, has been so far, and they've just been a really impressive group. And I mean, they're swinging the bat. I mean, granted, you're going to do everything well uh, when you're when you're 16 and three. Yeah. I mean, a team OPS of just under 900, uh, leading the league in home runs, leading the league in runs scored. I mean, wow. They that's that's all you can say. Uh, they're they're just breaking the baseball so far. Uh, Nagoski, I believe that's how you say it. John yep. Nagoski, uh, eight home runs, 25 driven in in the first 19 games. And that's that's really going to help you as well. Uh, it's And Ben Bramer, he's a former Nats prospect. He's looked really good so far. Yeah, he got picked well. up so, the other day too. Yeah, and, so I, and that's also something to watch for with this high point team and how good they are. Uh, with, see, all right, well, does this start to change if guys, uh, if guys start to get picked up here and there? It's just it's a great start, and they're really starting to put their snap on it. Now only still only up three and a half games because Gastonia is playing well as, as well. So the division is not over by by any means, but yeah, High Point is playing some terrific baseball. Yeah, definitely, they're definitely looking very strong. Uh, the point I do want to bring up is something that Ryan mentioned on Twitter after the Camp Cotter got signed along with uh, Bramer, is that same thing kind of happened last year. They were hot, then they got picked up. And then High Point kind of leveled off here. So I'm going to be curious to see if that happens. A guy like Nagoski, I could also see maybe getting picked up probably a little bit later on in the year as kind of a AAA kind of depth bat guy. Because he does have major league service time from only a few years back. Yes. So yep. it's not like he would be an outrageous pickup there. Same thing. I, I could see a Ben Eklinski maybe. I mean, he's been around the Atlantic League for a minute. And he's been doing very well, too. I think five home runs, 12 RBI. And you think he's batting over 300 or so OPS. I think it's around 1,000. But overall, still a very good bat. Not a guy that, you know, is totally off the board for getting picked up either. But you can't really assume anyone's going to get picked up. So right now, they're just running with just pure fire here. And while Frederick, yeah, is shooting up the board, Lexington's come crashing back down to earth, lost their last four in a row. So they certainly look human now. <clears throat> Charleston, Delk, Estonia lost last night. So if Charleston can steal one more, you could really start to open up a cushion, a four and a half game cushion, you know, pretty much going into Memorial Day weekend. That's a pretty nice cushion to have when the first half ends in the beginning of July, like the first weekend in July. So all of a sudden it's like, okay, we just got to make it through another month and change with a four and a half game cushion. Even if you're losing a game a week, you still got that half game up. It looks good here. Like, obviously, again, like we're not that far into it, but 20 games in to the first half is about, what, third of the way home on it. So like, it's, it's not anything to sneeze at. Not at all. Not at all. I mean, it's, it's a pretty decent sample at this point and i don't know if they're going to continue to be uh, this dominant per se but i i really do think that they have a terrific roster and the, the pitching is what's really uh, is what's really impressed me but on, on the lexington point too yeah I, I think that's something that i think both of us kind of hinted at that we thought yeah. was going to come uh just because of the, the talent on the roster on paper that they were red hot early on uh but they have started to slow down and, you know, losing, getting swept by Frederick really hurts. Yeah. Uh, it's just those are the games that if Lexington is going to want to compete in this division, they're going to have to win those series. And 
getting swept obviously does not fall into that category. So I, I think they starting to come back down to earth a little bit for uh, for sure. But uh, I mean, High Point has been that good. They really have been, and uh, and they're the clear best team in the league right now. Uh, and it's up to somebody else to try and get hot, and try and catch them. Absolutely, there. And I think with the uh, well, Lexington point is one of the things I remember we went over last week was looking at their schedule and saying the first half is their half to win. The second half it gets too difficult. You start putting in a lot of Gastonia, a lot of High Point, and a lot of other really good teams. So if you want to go out there and make the playoffs with no worries of a wild card or anything like that, you got to win the first half. And you know, now that looks very in doubt with the way High Point's playing. Plus, Gastonia's too clear of Lexington, so it seems like that's starting to become in doubt. And the fact you're crashing back down to earth when you're playing, you know, notably weaker opponents. Frederick was supposed to be a fairly easy series. Maybe not a sweep, but certainly a take two or three. And then you have a lot of Charleston on there. I think the toughest real opponent that they had that they played a meaningful amount of games in the first half was York. And York's only playing 500 baseball at the moment. Now, they're only two out of their division. But even still, you know, it was supposed to be where they take advantage of this weak schedule, this easier slate. And they have just opted not to do that in the least bit. So it is something to watch for with Lexington. But meanwhile, Fredericks just turned the other page and circle back to them real quick. Six in a row. They seem to have found what they need to find. I don't know how long the win streak goes. It could very well end before this episode comes out. But overall, uh, this Frederick team is really showing a lot of heart and a lot of fight, and they're starting to get it together. And I've always thought the talent was there with them. I yeah. Uh, I mean, Owen Owen thirteen is is staggering, obviously. But I just always thought that the talent was uh, the, the talent uh, was there with this team and I don't and yeah an 0 13 hole to dig out of is probably really tough the, the pitching has still uh been quite poor but the the bats that were kind of middle of the pack and they're starting to continue to creep up they're winning some of the some of, they're winning some close games now that they were losing uh earlier in the season and sometimes in baseball that's all that's all it takes like there's a lot of just a lot of plays down the stretch that when I mean, you play so many games that luck tends to that luck tends to start to even out in these in those close games, um, but uh, the, the their bats are really carrying them right now. Still waiting for the for the pitching uh, to kind of take shape, but they're they're continuing to play good baseball. And even if they don't win the division, these wins are still the the and they're probably and well definitely out of it for the first half. Yeah. But uh, but these wins are still valuable for them. Uh, oh yeah, wild for, card. Wild, for wild card for wild card positioning. Uh, so definitely not something to sneeze at, and they're 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 getting red hot. I just I, it is so absurd that they lost thirteen in a row and have now won six straight. Yeah, it's just like the complete flip of a switch almost. And you're right, all that matters for the wildcard. Plus, just in the room to finally start putting stuff together, start seeing all the work pay off. It there's a mental aspect that goes to work there when it's finally like okay, we're finally winning games. The luck's not beating us now. We're getting it going, and once you start winning, then it starts to build off of that, certainly. Uh, another point to watch out for for Frederick, before we look at a couple teams in the North Division before starting the Frontier Preview, uh, Frederick has Charleston this week. They have three games against them, and then they have probably the defining point of their first half, and it may seem like, 
a bit of an exaggeration to say, oh, maybe there's a defining point in the first half. Well, yeah, because they have Gastonia for three and High Point for three. So that's a big six-game stretch there for them. If you can play even 500 baseball against the two best teams in your division, yeah, uh, that, that's a notable mark here. If you can go ahead and play above 500 baseball, if you win two out of three on each of those series, am I crazy to say they're not quite out of it as much as we thought? Like, I'm not saying they would win it, but they're they're interesting enough still. I don't again. I don't think they'd win the first half, but I, I do think they're there's some. It's certainly a force to be reckoned with come come second half and come wild card. So the wins are still valuable. I just don't. I think the first half title or is probably. I, I mean, ten games is so much. Yeah. Uh, when you're talking about when you're talking about half season, when you're talking about like half a season. In fairness, though, if you were to go, you'd make up at least one game on each of them. If you were to win two or three, plus they have another set against them in the middle part of June. And after they get through that gauntlet, they get a series against Stanton Island, then a series against York, Long Island, which admittedly Long Island's been trending up again. They're outscoring their opponents by 15 runs in the last week. So Long Island's been doing better. Yeah. But if you're hot, you know, anything could happen there. You survive that next little clip there. Then it's Lexington, Southern Maryland and York. Pretty much the rest of the way, plus a uh, another Charleston series in there. So it becomes a lot easier. If you can get through this bit here with a winning record, you really could start to come around here. And like I'm not trying to hype it up for nothing here, but I I'm not willing to completely write off the first half yet, especially if high point starts losing some bodies. I don't know. I I, I kinda am just because even though even though you have the obviously the ten game lead is a ten game lead. But when you're talking about half seasons, and I, I agree with you that Frederick could, could win enough games to put themselves into it, but is High Point going to lose enough games? Fair like, point. I just, Fair point. I, I just I don't think that's going to happen uh, because yeah, they could make up one game if they beat High Point two out of three or something like that. Sure, but then are the other teams going to beat High Point at a big at a large enough rate for uh, and Gastonia at a large enough rate for? But for Lexington, not sorry, not Lexington, Frederick to try and to try and make that up, I I just can't see it. I mean, I think really what it comes down to just how the schedule all plays out. The schedule works out in such a way where High Point's got some weaker opponents and they kind of hit the hit the skids around then. Like for example, after they get through Long Island, like like they're playing Long Island this week, that's their next series. They lose two or three to Long Island, which I get it's not likely, but still. It's possible against a good Long Island team. Then they don't do well against Lancaster. All of a sudden, it's back in the fight there. I mean, they don't even have that easy of a slate to end the month here. I mean, next week after the weekend, they go for 26. And next week, actually, when we start talking about this uh, next time, they go Frederick and then they go right to Gastonia. That's not exactly an easy way to end May. And then no. June's probably not much better. I have to look at their schedule to really be confident in that. But overall, I, I don't necessarily believe I'm a Charleston, Southern Maryland. And OK, never mind. You know, look at the schedule here. It actually does work out really well <laughs> because they get I, here's the thing. I didn't realize that they played Charleston, then went to Southern Maryland, then played Charleston again. I didn't realize that's how that worked out there. So, not fun. yeah, looking at it in hindsight now, it, it's a bit much. Just that schedule doesn't work out well. So no point even looking at the Gastonia one. Uh, just real quick so that way we can get on to the Frontier League. Uh, Southern Maryland struggling a bit. Outscored 19-12 to 12 versus High Point. But it's High Point, so I'm not really sure we should overreact to that. Although I think they are on a four-game losing skit at the moment. 
a three-game losing skid, my mistake. Only one game up on the Ducks, who are surging up the other way. Twelve, uh, nineteen to twelve, they out, they uh, are thirty-nine to twenty-four. They outscored their opponents in the past week. So Long Island's really putting it together now. They're ten and eight, and really starting to figure out some early season struggles here. Also, Staten Island's got a little bit of fight. They won a really good game uh, on Thursday against Lancaster. Uh, fought back, made extras, and then won it in extras too. So. Overall, North Division has a lot more fights, a lot closer. I wouldn't necessarily say anyone's really out of that division. Six games is the worst. And with Lancaster, maybe they're out of it. But Stan Island still has a hope, I think. York very much in it at two games back. And then Long Island one game back is right in the hunt with Southern Maryland. Right. Yeah, I mean, Southern Maryland is is continued to you know, exceed expectations. They have dropped three in a row. Uh, which is notable, but I mean, their pitching has been has been really strong. And I think last week when we talked about, it, I was like, "Yeah, the walks to K's are too close to each other for me to really buy in." And they've sort of fixed that, uh, and they're they're not a team that'll strike out a lot of guys. But I tell you one thing though, Nick, I, it seems like no matter, even though the the back end of the bullpen that it, the guys that they've had in the past, like Andrew Persino and Matt Latos and, mm-hmm. and Dalton Geeky. None of those guys are there. It doesn't matter. They can just roll out a new trio in the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning, and they could be really good. Uh, and so the the back end of their bullpen has been phenomenal, uh, and that's a big reason that they're winning a lot of these a lot of these close games. Um, and it's just even though the the guys are different, uh, the what still stays the same is the the back end of the Blue Crabs bullpen uh, continues to continues to really impress and, and help themselves down the stretch. I mean, you, you look at a guy like, like Andre Scrub, uh, who's again, who had, who's been their closer so far. He's got yeah. five saves early on his 10 scoreless innings, yeah. uh, to, to, to start the year. Madison has nine is nine and a third scoreless innings, uh, at the back end of that bullpen. I mean, that is a really big boost in a league that, you know, could struggle specifically with relievers at the back end of the pen, and they just haven't had it. And not to mention, you, you want to look at guys like Daryl Thompson is a five a five nineteen ERA right now over four over his first four starts. I guarantee you that's not going to stick. So there's that there's a lot of room for improvement, and, and Mitchell Anson has has oh, been really down. good as well. Yeah. Uh, Lamson as well has been really good to start the year. These arms are have been excellent so far for Southern Maryland. And if there's like a little dip in that and some guys start to come back down to earth, will the bats be able to pick it up? I don't know. I think that's, I think that's the question uh, with, with this blue crabs team, but I mean, the pitching continues to be really good. Yeah, no, definitely with that. I mean, the whole rotation has been really solid. You mentioned the back half of the bullpen. That's all been really good. No complaints about that to this point in the season so overall I agree with a lot of what you're saying there I'm looking at the batting right now and yeah I mean there's some guys that just aren't getting it done Jake Sunberg's the guy that immediately pops out there with that 162 batting average and an on base at 287 not great good thing he walked 12 times but I mean when you have as many total bases as you do strikeouts that's a bit of an issue so I that is my concern as well is if the bats can bail him out I do have a little bit of concern about the middle part of the bullpen, though. Uh, outside of those three guys you mentioned, or with uh, Scrub, Matson, uh, Puchu, and Rios, I don't really love the rest of the bullpen. Like, I know what that sounds like. Oh, well, they have four relievers here. How many do you want in indie ball? Like, I get that. But 
Estrada doesn't really move the needle for me. Shanfeld doesn't move the needle for me. Uh, Jillier doesn't really move the needle, and neither does De neither does Dykstra, who admittedly I think can turn it around. He's been around the Atlantic League before, so I, I think I have a little bit more faith in him. But that was really the only concern I have is that middle part of the bullpen there and then the bats, like you said. Yeah, I, I think that I think that's fair. I think, however, when comparing, it, it's not like any, it's not like any team that's not high point in the has a great Fair has point. a great bullpen depth wise. Fair point. So so I think when comparing it to the rest of the league, I still think Southern Maryland is right up there with the elite bullpens. Is this Long Island sl slander as though they don't have an elite level bullpen? No, I mean they're 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 right there too. I think it's too early to really like. Uh, I mean, and, I mean Long Island cycles in relievers. Like nobody's business. Why? Because uh, they have Lobstein, Jose, Jose, Joe Cousia, Al Albuquerque, Kevin Quackenbush. Yeah. Who, Kevin Quackenbush is an ERA over ten, by the way. Yeah, that's it's really been uh, again a big name in Kevin Quackenbush, but uh, hasn't really materialized so far. So again, it's early, but uh, so one thing we know about the Ducks, especially with a lot of their R's, if they don't perform, they need to have a lot of patience because they have guys that they can go to. When guys get cut from double A AA or triple A or whatnot. Yeah, definitely. There even Hayes is a decent relief for them. But yeah, overall they've also picked up their play as of late too. Ducks have really been hot. They have. Uh, and they're I, I still think the Ducks are a better overall team than Southern Maryland, but I the bats are the bats are really starting to come alive. Uh, yeah. for 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 the Ducks and I mean the pitching has been is good in large part. I think the ten and eight record doesn't really tell the story. I think they're I think they're better than that, uh, and I think they'll start to prove it. Yeah, they're just a weird team because you'll have like these close competitive one two run games, and then they'll get blown out by York fifteen to eight, and then they'll return the favor blowing them out eighteen to three. It just feels like there's moments with this team where it's almost like controller disconnect where they just kind of like blank um, playing baseball. And then they reconnect. Go, oh yeah, no, no, we we gotta we gotta answer that back. And then they get back, and then they yeah. deal the same damage that just got dealt. I mean, like you saw a little bit with Stanton Island, where they beat them thirteen to four, then they lose seven six. So, which that's part of the reason I kind of like Stanton Island. They played a close series against Long Island, all things considered, a, a one run win, a one run loss, and then a blowout. I mean, like that's I think what we could expect from that series, right? In, in I don't know. I mean. The the blowout certainly is made it, it really unique. Yeah, I don't, not quite sure what to think of it, but uh, just because it's been kind of one going each way. But I guess York can do that when uh, when they have the well, that was Staten Island uh, and uh, Long Island. Oh, sorry, sorry, Staten Island. Yeah, I don't know. That was that was, that one's kind of odd. I mean, Sat yeah, Staten Island. They do have some fight. Uh, they and listen, this division is still very up for grabs yeah. in general. I mean, at the end of the day, Staten Island's four back. So as bad as their offense has been, they're still four back. So a mm. lot of baseball still left to be played in that North Division. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing Staten Island make the playoffs. I think it would be fun. Go for that. It base. would be. Plus, I think so. A Long Island Staten Island playoff series seems fun. I want that. That's what the people want. Exactly. Give me that. Give me that playoff series. Would it be too much to ask? Probably. But oh well. I guess we should get to the Frontier League now. Probably. All right. So Frontier League, we have some play that's already happened here. We won't really touch on that much, but we also have a preview. And that's something we're going to uh, touch on heavily. So uh, preview is going to work the same way the last two have. 
our guests. Yeah, the last two at this point. We're going to go over some good batting teams, good pitching teams, good all-around teams, good at hopefully something teams, you know, all that jazz. We'll go over the basic information for all of that, and we'll mention how each team has done so far, or not each team, but a general look at what's going on so far in the Frontier League. They started play last week, so we're going to try to do our best to not really factor that first week into how we view the season just because you know it's supposed to be preview we're not supposed to put too much weight into it although obviously when six games of a 96 game slate have been played you have to look at it somewhat but i'm going to try to do our best to not really have that taint the prediction base so that said uh basic information about the frontier league in 2023, it's a 96-game slate. Started May 11th, going to end September 3rd. You're going to play three to four series against your divisional opponents. You're going to play at least one series against every single team in division play from August to the end of the season. So that's a nice way to kind of make the races a bit tighter, make them a little bit more competitive. All-Star game is in Windy City July 12th. Skills competition also in Windy City July 11th. Uh, if you want to hear more information about that, we interviewed... Uh, Mike Vershave from the Windy City Thunderbolts. Go back, take a look at that in the interview. It's the end of December interview. So listen to that. He talks a lot about it. So uh, only other piece of news scheduling-wise is same playoff format. Three teams from each division. Division winner makes the postseason, gets a bye in round one. The two other teams are wildcard teams, so they play in round one. And then the winner goes on to play the division winner. So, very simple, very straightforward, full year schedule, no halves, no nothing like that. Probably the most traditional of all the playoff formats, but honestly, the one I kind of like the best. I like it, too, because it may, it makes it mean something to make the playoffs. And that, exactly. to me, personally, is something that I, I really am a big stickler for. Exactly. Like, six teams in a 16-team league feels right. Like, you could even argue for four teams, but I like having that wild card game. I think it's fun. I think it makes it feel feel more high stakes right when your whole season comes down to that one game i i like that i i like the tension i like everything about it and i like the new addition of just the division games for august and september it really adds that division race and like you said the regular season means something to win your division means something to really be able to have that pressure on top of you're only playing your division from here on out every game means that much more I, i love that I do too. I do too. And I think the, especially with the wild card game, um, not only is the wild card game fun, I think, Nick, but I think yeah. the, it also really incentivizes teams to win the division. Oh, yeah. Because you don't want to, because you don't want to play, uh, in that wild card game. So you're rewarding the, you're rewarding the division winners and you're making the regular season really mean something. And I think that's what, what's going to make the, the end to the season specifically so special. Oh, absolutely. I just pray that we get another few GMs. That were like uh, Larson over in Schaumburg a couple years back. I think it was in 21 where he went on a buying spree. He legitimately started going out, getting players, trading like cash and future considerations to get guys to amp up his team. And I was like, oh, thank God we have actual deadline day action. This never happens. I know. It literally never. never yeah. And he went out. He did it. And what do you know? He won a championship. So I was really hoping that would encourage teams to break the mold, do that. And I get it. It's. In real life, it's much different than like a video game because people have to uproot their lives to move to a new place. I totally get it. I still like seeing trades and stuff like that happen. 
because I think it's kind of fun. And also, I think a lot of guys on this level, especially once you get to like end of July, August, you kind of understand I'm probably not going to get picked up this year. So at that point, you might as well just switch gears into, well, I want to win. And so if you're on a team that's not making the postseason, would you rather, you know, play out the end of this season or would you rather say, hey, let's play for a couple extra weeks and go win a championship? I think the answer is number two in pretty much every case because these guys are competitors. They're battlers. They want to win. They wouldn't be here if they didn't want to win and get picked up. So, you know, I'd love seeing that. And that's the beauty of indie ball because you, so much of it is, I mean, organizations and coaching staffs, it's it's not about, I mean, it's somewhat about development, but uh, and I guess the frontier, yeah. frontier league more than more than others. But mm. at the end of the day, you're trying to win, and you're trying to win a championship, and that's what so draws players to it. That's what draws fans to it. Uh, that, that winning is the only thing that uh, that the teams are looking to do, and that's what that's what makes it special, and and that's why. Well, that's why we we both love it. Exactly. That's why my problem has always been with affiliate minor league baseball. It's just knowing that they're here to develop and not to win. I, I just I have a hard time watching baseball where teams aren't trying to win as the primary right. focus. I just have such a hard time watching that because it's just like it's not as entertaining. It takes away part of it. It's like knowing the ending to a movie before you walk into it. It's like, yeah, I, I still can enjoy it, but like I, I already know it's going to happen. So like, why am I doing this? Exactly, exactly. And that's why it makes the stakes higher and the more drama. And it's why it's such great. It's why it's so great. Absolutely. So uh, some other pieces of basic information. Pitch Clock is into the Frontier League this year. Same setup as Major League Baseball. Uh, there'll be one disengagement with no runners, two disengagements with runners. Grace period for these rules will end on May 30th. So uh, May 31st, which is kind of weird. You would think they would just say, okay, give them an extra day and start at June 1. But okay, whatever. Start May 31st. They're going to start enforcing the pitch clock violations and rules like that. So I guess they gave them an extra month, essentially, or an extra two weeks, I guess, to try and uh, get used to the rules, get used to the regulations, which I do like the grace period. Uh, I'm curious to know what your thoughts are, Will, on that disengagement setup. I know, and it... it- it really incentivizes athleticism and speed more more than it already would just because yeah. more than just the two and disengagements and you know I've, we've talked at length about uh, about the dis, the disengagement rule specifically in any ball and I think that uh, I've made my thoughts pretty clear about the yeah. uh, about the one disengagement I think it's kind of ludicrous and crazy uh, but at the same time. I think it's going to be um, it's going to, certainly going to make for a lot of excite, excitement, uh, a lot of excitement on the base paths, and it makes speed that much more important. And when trying to construct these rosters, absolutely. And so, I guess the real question is: Last year, the top three teams for stolen bases were Sussex County, Windy City, and Lake Erie. They had a respective two hundred and one, one hundred and sixty-five, and one hundred and thirty-one stolen bases. Will that number go? up or stay the same this year with these new rules i imagine it's got well, to go up yeah i think numbers are going to be up across the board i mean you could talk about i think you could see records potentially records being set uh with certain guys it'll, it'll be interesting to see but i think the i think you will there's no way that stolen bases are not up at a pretty significant clip across the board 
by significant clip, do you mean like 25%, 50%, 100%? Like, what are we looking at here? Oh, uh, well, not, a, not 100%, but okay. I mean, it's, I, I think having it a, a, you know, an increase by 25 to 30%, I don't think is uh, unreasonable across the board. All right. So, like, we're looking at what would that be? About an extra 50 or so stolen bases to, uh, yeah. to the Sussex? All right. Yeah, I agree. Okay. All right. Uh, we'll swing it to the last point on the basic information. Empire State Grays return for year two. Traveling team again, year two. We'll have thoughts further on the Grays later on, but this does seem to be a bit of a different Grays team. Certainly not as, certainly much better than last year's team. Much better. And Mark Mason deserves a lot of the, a yeah. lot of credit for that. Definitely, but also, I mean, let's keep in mind here, the floor was 6-90. and 90. Oh, the, the bar was so low. I mean, I mean we're astronomically low. They're a third of the way to reaching that total after week one. So, I mean, like, the bar is low. I don't think any of us really had high hopes for the Grays. I think, like, the highest prediction was, like, 25 games won in a 96-game season. Yeah. And, I mean, when you lose 30-plus in a row and you're starting to challenge the professional record, it's, like, not great. And nope. I know a lot of people around the league are like, torn between wanting to see them make that mark because it's like publicity and then the other half just being completely disgusted by it saying things like this is such a garbage look for the league this team is disrespectful to the league they were very annoyed about that but I mean I think at the end of the day if you're in the dugouts you're like hey free wins I'm not gonna say no exactly exactly I mean the players can't the players can't look at it like that but I I don't think the fans or the league or anything like that. I don't No one likes a traveling team. I, yeah. Unfortunately, it kind of has to be this way yeah, uh, this year again, but, but nobody wants, it's not a long-term solution. Nobody wants it. Uh, and not, not great to operate either. I'm sure it's expensive to operate too. Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, hopefully this is the last time we see one of those traveling teams for quite a while. Please God, let there be a replacement team in 24. I can't do three years of the Grays. Yeah. I really like at that exactly. point. If we have three years of the Grays, I have to start thinking about slapping on the unserious league tag. I hate to do it, I really do. But three years of a traveling team would not would not be a great way to avoid it. One year it happens to everyone. Two years, not a great look. But in desperate times, you have to do desperate things. Three years. That's a tough sell yeah. for me. That's a really it tough is. sell. It really is. So, uh, looking at 22 real quickly before we get into 23. Uh, Quebec, Washington, they both won the divisions, both had 60 plus wins. Fantastic seasons for them. Ottawa and New York squared off in the wildcard game, as well as Evansville and Schaumburg. Ottawa took that one. Schaumburg took that one. Uh, Quebec then defeated Ottawa in pure dramatics, having to go for several walk offs to extend their season before defeating Ottawa in the end. Really good series, really hard-fought series. Hopefully that starts a nice Canadian rivalry. That'd be good to see. And honestly, I'd be down for another playoff series between those two teams as well. Uh, Schaumburg defeated Washington, pretty much walked over them. I think it was a 3-1 series, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it really was never that close, to be quite honest with you. Washington's postseason struggles continue. Schaumburg's postseason success continues as well. Quebec and then Schaumburg met off in the Frontier League Championship Series. Quebec 
handled them fairly easily. Uh, they won their first Frontier League title, eighth overall, the Quebec Capitals atop the mountain again. So, you like to see that a market that really likes baseball, they won. So, it was it was a really fun fun season last year, and uh, the best team won, uh, as, which as baseball fans know is not always the case. Yeah, uh, come come playoff time, but the Quebec had a terrific season. They were the they were, they were they've been they were the best team really throughout the year, and uh, and they deserve to win the title. But lots of dramatics, lots of great pl- moments in the playoff series. Uh, in, in playoffs, uh, as well as just a, a thunderous finish to the regular season as well, drama-wise, and uh, so many like teams getting left out on the last day, just in really, really fun uh, season, and can only hope for more of the same in 23. Absolutely. That wild card race in the East was down to the wire. What was it going to that last show before the playoffs? We were like, there's still like three or four teams that have a real shot this they need some help, but they're they're not out of it yet. And that was great going into Labor Day weekend saying, okay, there's there's a lot of teams still alive here. There's a lot of teams that could still save their season. And so, uh, yeah, it was. A, you're right. It was a really fun season. So so far in 23, we've had six games played. The Miners and the Wild Things are on fire to start the year. The Grays already have two wins in their first week, so that's a great time for them. The defending champion Quebec Capitals are struggling early on as are the Valley Cats and the Boulders, both four-game skids, although in fairness to Tri-City and New York, they both ran into those aforementioned things and minors, so that probably explains that. The West seems to be very competitive, obviously, again, very early to say, but there's a lot of three and two teams over there, a lot of four and two teams or five and one team as well. East looks at best streaky, a little weaker, but again, it's early on, so we'll see how that goes there. Other points to note in 23 so far. Clint Freeman for a gateway. Three home runs, 12 RBI, six games. Pretty good start. Will Zimmerman, who you may remember from Fargo-Moorhead a couple years back. Uh, he has eight stolen bases in six games. Going to that point about stolen bases being up, no doubt. And Luis Perez seems to be off to a very strong start. Pitching-wise, over in Schaumburg with 16 strikeouts in his first two starts. Only 13 innings pitched. So him and Cole Cook over in uh, Joliet. Both doing a really good job. Cole, I think, roughly the same amount of innings. I think 13, 14 innings pitch. He has 15 strikeouts. So he, both of those guys doing pretty good. So, so far, that's a little bit at a glance of what it looks like over the past week. Obviously, we have a deeper dive to get to first, though, before we uh, can really say all too much. But any thoughts on the first week uh, before we dive into the deeper preview? Again, a really small sample, so yeah. as we kind of repeated myself a lot, but I think the uh, Sussex certainly a great start uh, yeah. early on, and I, I just at the East Division, I don't really know what to make of it so far. It's, it's a lot of surprises in the sense that uh, the Quebec is Quebec being two and four, uh, certainly a surprise. Tri City two and four. Um, so I think though that uh, Washington being as good as they've been, uh, five also a five and one start, not. Not that surprising uh, in the West, but yeah, the East is just interesting. A, a lot, not sure what to make of it quite yet, but uh, but Sussex off to a, a great start in the post Bobby Jones era. 
Yeah, Sussex is definitely doing this this really good start with their new manager. And really, the thing I look at in the East is just a lot of teams are all trying to figure out where they fit in. Teams we thought were going to be up higher, or I guess that we think are going to be up higher, is the proper way of putting it, uh, are not quite there yet. And teams that we thought or think may struggle are doing pretty solid there. And I think that's pretty true across the board, even over in the West, which is significantly better, I think, at least to start. Uh, has a little bit of fluctuation there, although you have some usual suspects at the top of each board, I think is safe to say there. So, uh, on that note, I suppose we should dive into this preview and get this thing going because there are yeah. 16 teams in here and there's a, we want to touch on everybody, even if we're not doing a deep dive on everybody. So I guess we'll kick it off with some teams from, uh, last year that look to improve or maintain their same success here Evansville is a team which I think is kind of interesting I think they are a decent pitching team but the pitching team of real note that I want to talk about is a a championship finalist last year in the Schaumburg Boomers this is a team where I think they're a very strong pitching team at least on paper I like a lot of their guys I think even some of their NCAA guys are interesting Christian Lopez in particular is really interesting to me uh, meanwhile, guys like Stutzman and Schlotman are well, they're known commodities. They're pretty solid guys. Luis Perez, we just mentioned, got off to a really solid start, and he looked good at points last year for this team. Overall, I, I think this is a solid pitching team. It's batting-wise that can be kind of touch and go here, and it may sound surprising because you look at the board, and you're like, oh, there's some really good returning guys here, even adding like a, a Blake Grant Parks, or a Chase Dawson being back, and like, say, Blake Berry, who all were pretty solid last year. Outside of them, I don't really love all too many guys here. I think it's a solid team. I think it's a playoff push team. And with Schaumburg, I'm always afraid to say they're not in the playoffs because they find a way to squeak to a wild card. And once they get in, they don't go out easy. So, you know, if they're in, they're a threat. And I always think they're a threat to make it. It's just they're, they're an interesting constructed team. I think as far as their 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 pitching is something I'm gonna uh, certainly watch for, and of course you're looking for for guys, for specifically the rookies, and whoever gets the uh, whoever really gets the production from the rookies tend to be the better teams. Um, I think the the uh, I think I'll never count out Schaumburg uh, at all, just because of their, their track record of success and stuff like that. There's some bats I like a lot in this lineup. Uh, I mean, Blake Berry is a guy who gets on base a lot. The one I, I don't see a lot of power on this roster, which mm. uh, which which concerns me a little bit. I definitely going to be a high contact uh, team uh, up and down the order. Uh, a team that's that's built uh, more on contact and speed. They are, they have some a lot of stolen base threats on here. I'm looking at a guy like Alec Craig, who had 30 stolen bases uh, a year ago as well. Chase Dawson, 23 stolen bases. Uh, last season as well, both in the in the Frontier League. So I, I think the there this could be a team that maybe in past years we look at and they go, eh, but it, with the new rules and the disengagement rules, a team that's built more on contact and speed might have more of an, more of an advantage. Uh, so I, I think they're they're an interesting squad. I think they're decently well rounded. I, I think they'll be in the mix. Uh, I think they'll be in the mix for the playoffs. But I could see that I could see them being better. I just wouldn't. I just wouldn't uh, bet on it. Uh, but I, I think it's a it's a solid team. I wouldn't put them. I definitely wouldn't put them in in the elite 
uh, category for sure. Yeah, no, they're definitely not an elite team. I mean, Jamie Bennett's done this for over a decade now, and he knows how to build a team. Last year is very similar, bottom five in home runs, only category they were bottom five in, but they were top five in base hits, stolen bases, on-base percentage. You know, they struck out a lot of guys. They didn't walk a lot of guys. They didn't allow a lot of hits. That's kind of how he likes to build his teams. And, I mean, it has had success, especially as of recent. I mean, what, a championship and then a finals appearance? I mean, that's a solid base to work off of. So, with those new rules, like you mentioned, with the pitch clock, I'm going to be interested to see how it works out there. But uh, only other guy that I really want to point out, I guess two other guys, Jake Joyce, who's also, I believe, their pitching coach, if I'm not mistaken, too, and Kristen Scott. I like those guys both as bullpen guys. Uh, they both have a really solid base. Did a lot of work for the team last year, too. And I think it could be a, be a really solid bullpen, too. Get a couple of good starters, a couple of really good arms. You could really do some damage here in this league. Uh, as far as other teams that can really pitch, uh, there's, a, there's a few of them that I'm interested in. Tri-City is an interesting team here because I like their batting far more than I like their pitching, but I think their pitching is pretty solid, quite honest with you. A guy like Joe Johnson's a solid guy. He had some Atlantic League time, about 23 innings at the Atlantic League last year and looked all right over there. They returned some other guys. Obviously, they don't have uh, the best closer in the league's history in Trey Cochran Gill. I don't even care that's factually true. It's true to me, and that's all that matters. Um, so they don't have him. That's a major drop-off here. But I do like Michael Losak. He was a good uh, pitcher in the NCAA. But, you know, he had a rough outing against Sussex. I believe it was Sussex yesterday. And that didn't look great. But Dwayne Marshall's a huge get. I like Brock Warren. There's a lot of guys here I do like. And overall, I think they're probably... A Pretty well-rounded team, too, because, I mean, they have Cito Culver, really good player, we know. Zach Berman, a guy with some power. Trey Hare, a guy that's just destroyed the Frontier League with Sussex County in the past. Paven Parks is here, a guy I really like, who can also apparently pitch fairly well, too. He threw an inning and struck out two in a blowout loss against Sussex earlier. So, like, he's a solid player. And, of course, like, you have to mention Carson McCusker, who returns again. Another guy with a little bit of pop. And, I mean, I, I'd be ignoring the biggest fish if I didn't mention Aaron Altiers here. After doing pretty well in the KBO, he comes into the Frontier League now. And I have to imagine that's going to uh, go well, to say the least. Yeah, I mean, Altier is my player of the year pick. Yeah. Uh, like I, I, I think he's going to player of the year in the Frontier League. So, I mean, that was a huge get for Pete and Cavillia. I think... Uh, and again, two and four to start the year. You don't want to factor that in too much. Uh, and the story for Tri-City for the last few years really has been offense has been strong. The pitching has not been. I think yeah. the pitching on paper looks slightly better than it has in years past. I don't know if it's a substantial uh, improvement. But one thing, one thing I got to say, I, I think this lineup is absolutely full of mashers. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, good goodness gracious, you got power. Uh, uh, up and down this lineup, you have some more contact heavy guys like Cito Culver is a guy that I've loved like for a long time. I will always get on base for you. Um, and I mean, Aaron Altair as well, just uh, just a, a monster. Uh, a guy interesting too, Juan Montez, a guy raked in the Pecos League last year. It is the Pecos uh, it is League. The, it is. It looks, listen, I know I'm getting to that. I know it's the Pecos League, but. Uh, I do think it's it's something at least uh, 
at least worth mentioning as a guy as uh-huh. a guy that could be decent for them. So, but yeah, I think Altair is a monster. He's gonna carry. He's gonna carry this group a lot. I, like I look at a guy like like Beerman as well at anchoring mm-hmm. anchoring that first base position. It was a really strong year last year too, and in 17 home runs as well. I think there's there's a lot of power in this lineup. There's a lot of depth in this lineup. It's contact guys where you need it. I think this is this is a lineup that is going to be up there with the best in the entire Frontier League. Uh, I think I, the the pitching. I think is decent. Uh, I, you know, but you worry when some guys get picked up or anything like that. Uh, so I think they're better, looks better than in years past, but I think this lineup is just on a whole nother level. Uh, and I, I think it's, it's going to be, a, I don't think it's a question of if they'll hit it's a, it's a question if they can keep runs uh, off the board. And if they can, then I think they're a title contender. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, we say this every year, too, and then they have the slow start, and then they do a roster yeah, makeover, trim the dead weight, and then they, they're off the races, and then they follow short. I'd be interested to see if they can break that trend this year. <clears throat> I will say with Montez, though, the one thing that tracks, regardless of where you go, when you're stealing a basic game, that's solid. I mean, 42 stolen bases in 43 games, is it? I mean, that's pretty solid there. Uh, yeah. Also, Culver provides a lot with defense as well, too. So, I mean, that's a huge plus there to have him on there. And I will say this much. I think there's a lot of boom-bust type of guys here on f- as far as their pitching style goes. A guy like Elijah Gill did really well in college and at the Pioneer level. And the Pioneer bit is what's really interesting to me. Because if you can pitch well in the Pioneer League in those kinds of altitudes, that tells me something. And if you're that good of a pitcher, then the uh, step up in talent that you're facing off against in the Frontier League shouldn't really bother you all that much. And... You know, I think you could do very well here. And if you could get a guy that can either be a long man out of the bullpen or give you some spot starts and, you know, say go four and five in his starts, give you a four fifteen ERA, you know, that's a pretty solid addition there for a young guy. I mean, Raymond uh, Goudon also is another guy. Yeah, I think think Goudon is a guy that I think that uh, again, I'm really high on as well. I mean, when you have 36 saves as a closer in Mexico, 344 ERA where the ball absolutely zooms, then I think you're going to pitch quite well in the Frontier League. I think he's a great. Um, I think uh, he's a great uh, replacement for Cochran Gill in that yeah. closer spot. Uh, if that's you know where they where they intend to go, but I think yeah, I think overall this is a really really good squad. I know. I really like this team, too. It's certainly a strong... Hopefully it pans out. Hopefully, Hopefully. it actually pans out this year. You... We say this every year, and then it doesn't pan out, but I think this could be the year. Yeah, it definitely could be. It, this is just... They're an interesting team on a lot of fronts. I mean, there's a couple other teams that are like... I think almost in a way, not as good, but similar to almost like a Three Rivers, right? Where we like at Three Rivers. There's a couple of guys pitching-wise I really like. Uh, Giolino I like. Granted, again, college guy, but he did really well on that level. Mason McAllister, I really like. Uh, Matt Vallon is on Ottawa. So it's Sam uh, Polquin, I believe it is. He's pretty solid there. Same thing with Jad, uh, James Bradbear, Bradwell. I can't really talk today. Uh, those guys all look pretty solid. They look like decent players. But when you look at the lineup, the lineup's significantly better. You know, Juan Kelly's still there. They got Ethan Hunt from the Mission Impossible move. He's in here, too. That's always a solid addition. Uh, Peltier's in here. Steve Brown's in here. Nate Scantlin's in here. These are all guys that are really solid. Rodrigo uh, 
Arzoko is another guy I, I really like. There's honestly actually a lot of power on this team too. I didn't realize that. Now, granted, again, I see two Pecos leakers, so I always will throw those numbers into doubt. And a guy that played NAIA ball. So it's a younger roster. I will grant you that. But overall, I really do like it. Even Ricardo Sanchez is a decent player too. So like overall, I think this is like a middling team. I don't think they're probably a playoff team. I don't really think they're necessarily in the hunt. But I think they're... Uh, a team that's a little bit of a pain in the ass to play against. Yeah, I wouldn't put them in the playoffs either, but I think that the lineup will certainly carry them and will win them. We'll win some games. I think you're definitely right about uh, right about the power. I think the one thing you got to look at as well as I mean, certainly, guys. Uh, I mean, Ethan Hunt, or sorry, not Ethan Hunt. Uh, Juan Kelly. Yeah. Uh, Juan Kelly's he, he's going to be one of the best hitters. He's probably going to be one of the best hitters in this lineup. Uh, and he's going to, he'll be very good. I think the lineup as well is, and Rodrigo Orozoko as well, mm. uh, gets on base a lot at the top of the order too. I think that the lineup is pretty good. The pitching, I'm not as sold on personally. I just think there's, there's not a lot of guys with, uh, I guess with, with the experience, the, or the track record of maybe guys that like, I think a guy like Mason McAllister, I, I, I like, yeah. um, Theory into, yeah, I, I think there there's a couple arms. I don't I don't really like the depth of this pitching staff, and that's a problem that they had last year a lot. Uh, but so I think that's what's going to ultimately hold them back. But I think they're certainly an, an intriguing team. Yeah, I definitely think that. I think they were like I said. I think they are very much a spoiler kind of team, where I wouldn't want to have to go against them when we get into August. Right, like this is the kind of team that just feels like. All right, we're out of it, but we're just going to go out and win two or three in this series and really put you behind the eight ball. That's kind of the way I, I look at this team. Like more often than not, they're probably going to lose two or three, but every once in a while they're going to go out there, they're going to win two or three, and they're going to wind up putting together like eight of their last, I don't know, eight of their last 11, eight of their last 12. And you're going to go, huh, maybe this is a team, and then it'll be back down to earth, of course. But even still, uh, trying to just gauge it back over to more pitching heavy teams a team like Joliet's really interesting to me right like this is a pitching team through and through in my mind you have Cole Cook you have Tanner Kearse who look very solid a Turner Larkins that's very good uh Evie Ravel Rubel guy that was with the Mets before you know because I think last year in 21 he got picked up out of Florence was with the Mets then got cut last year went back to the Frontier League but overall really solid guy there uh, after Hyde, I really like him as well. This is a team that's got some really good pitching on it. They got some really good talent here. Even a guy like Chandler uh, Brierly, I really like Brierly too. Overall, I actually like this pitching staff a lot. Ty- Tyler J as well. Uh, as when we look at the lineup, they, they're a bit of a different story, and they got some pieces there, I guess. But the pitching, I think, really could do a lot of work here for Dan Schlereth's second-year squad. Yeah, I think the I think the pitching is is very. There's, it's a deep, uh, it's a deep group uh, that I think you got a lot of starting pitching depth, uh, and I think that'll really help, uh, really help them. And it's a team that continues to continue to build and continue to get uh, to get better and better. Uh, the lineup, I, the lineup, I don't love uh, as much, certainly. Um, however, I think the pitching is going to be good enough to to carry them in this division for quite a bit. I think they'll be knocking on the door uh, for the playoffs. I think they're going to take another step forward because of uh, because of how good the, the this pitching staff is. And it's not just 
a couple guys that are elite and, and everyone else, but I, but you really see a lot of depth. I I mean, Tyler J had a had a phenomenal uh, season last year uh, with a one one sixty five ERA, eight saves, and just three walks to twenty four Ks. I mean, those numbers yeah. will, will really play. I mean, as well as as well as Cole Cook, uh, who had an excellent year as a starter. I think there's a lot of depth in this pitching staff that makes me excited. The lineup, I, I'm not as sold on. Uh, but I think the pitching is good enough to put them uh, into into playoff contention, certainly. Yeah, definitely. I, I would definitely fall on that line, too. I think you, this really could be a nice one-two punch here if you go with, say, a Kirst to Jay, because Kirst throws hard. That's that's always kind of been his problem, is that he throws hard, but he gets hit around a bit. Last year, he got under control. A 312 is not bad in, what, 49 innings? That's pretty solid. So, I mean, if you go with him and then with Jay or Jay and then him, however you want to do it, I mean, that could very well be a nice little bullpen you put together there. Even uh, Liebelt could be something decent to work in there. Obviously, ERA is a bit higher, but, you know, if you could work on it a little bit here, and it's not surprising a former Major League pitcher in Schlereth uh, puts together a good pitching team here. But yeah, I agree with the concerns as far as sure. the batting goes. But I mean, that was the problem last year as well. You know, bottom five in runs, hits, RBIs, strikeouts, batting wise, um, stolen bases, average on base and slugging. I mean, that's just about every major offensive category. They're bottom five in. But what kept them alive, what kept them only four games out of a playoff spot was the fact they're a top five ERA team, didn't allow many home runs, didn't allow many earned runs, didn't allow any runs, period, or hits even. Top five in all those categories. So, you know, solid pitching team. They just need to get the offense to go with it, right? So, be interesting to see how that works. Yep. And if they can get a middle of the road perform uh, performance from their from their offense, I think they're I think they're definitely in the playoffs, and I think they're, they're a really interesting uh, and dangerous team uh, in the playoffs in the West Division. If that if that ha- if that ends up happening, can they get to a point where the offense is that is mediocre? I don't know, and I think that's I think that's the biggest question with them. Their team, where honestly, I would really think as a GM. Maybe this is a year I want to buy. If you get into right around deadline time, and I understand, doesn't happen a lot. I understand the differences between this and say Major League Baseball. I get it. But this is a team where if you see someone that's way out of it and you think, huh, maybe I could go out and get a bat from them. I really think that could help. Like, let's just say for the sake of argument, you have one of these really strong batting teams that's kind of so-so. Even let's just go with like... uh like a Three Rivers, for example. Let's say they're out of it, and they're looking to move a piece or two. Obviously, a guy like Steve Brown, he's an older guy, he ain't going to move. Juan Kelly likes it there, he ain't going to move. But if you have a guy like, say, uh, Orzoko, would you not be at least entertaining that? Like, say, hey, what do you want here? We'll give you a couple future considerations in a picture. Like, would that not be at least, at the very least, interesting to explore? And a guy like him, you toss him into Joliet, like, that could probably help a bit. I mean, like, even, like, some of these other teams that are faster-running teams, maybe that's the way to go. Like, all you really need is one or two bats in my mind. So, and, like, another team that I think we're going to talk about fairly shortly in Windy City, that could be a team that could very well be out of it. And once the All-Star game's done, I think they'd be fine moving a piece or two. Yeah, I mean, if, if you know, we have another year in the frontier league where where the, the trade deadline is is pretty active i think you could definitely see that i think you bring up a and again so early we'll have to see yeah, yeah. which where teams are, are finishing where or how their seasons are going and stuff when we get to that point 
but um, but certainly that's plausible, especially if they have a plethora of arms uh, that that they can maybe they can maybe trade back if Three Cities is sort of in in playoff contention. So mm-hmm. it's an interesting idea, and I think that's something that Juliet will be will be in the market for when that when that uh, when that part of the season rolls around. Definitely there, and the the next team I want to move to also in the West team. Uh, or at least team that I think could be interesting, uh, still pitching wise, but a little bit better well rounded is that Windy City team. I think they've improved a bit. I think they're not the same. Uh, I don't want to call them a doormat, but they finished last that they were last year. You know, we mentioned you know there hasn't been a lot of success in that interview we referenced earlier. Uh, I think this year could be a little bit different. I'm not sure they're a playoff team. I don't think they have that kind of talent. Uh, but overall, a guy like Robinson. He's a solid guy, always has been. Uh, Spillane has been uh, doing well as of recent to start the year. Overall, it seems like a rather middling team in a lot of regards, but I think middling is a certainly uh, an upgrade from last year. And I think that's really one of the, the things I look at. Oman is a guy I really like, too. He was with Quebec last year, and he pitched very well. A couple other guys here. Belair, he was in the twin system, previously a Thunderbolt. Got picked up from the Thunderbolts to there. So there's some guys here where I think it's... I think there's a lot to work with in in some areas, and then other areas it just seems pretty bland. But I think there's enough here where I feel comfortable saying that they're not the worst team in their division. Probably still not a playoff team, but I think they finish respectably. Yeah, I think they're they're a team that uh, is continuing to um, that, that's continuing to get better, uh, and they're they're trying to improve and take baby steps to trying to get into playoff contention. I don't think this is the year for it. Uh, I don't think they'll I don't think they'll be they'll be ready for it. Uh, I am a little bit worried. I think I, I don't love the lineup. Uh, I think the because I mean there's only two guys on this team that had double digit home runs last year. One. Uh, it was in the Gross League, so take that for what you will. Uh, and Brent Spillane in the Frontier League had 12 home runs, but he also hit 232. So I think I'm a little bit concerned about the offense. I think the pitching is improved, but still not. Uh, I think the pitching is, yeah, I think the pitching is improved, but still not great. I, I, I like a guy like Cole Belair, uh, who in rookie ball pitched really, really well. I'm kind of surprised he's here. Uh, but I think there's there's a couple frontier league arms that, that guys that were in the frontier league like Hen- Henry Omana from last year that I really liked the 277 ERA in uh, 52 innings is kind of that like, multi inning reliever type uh, and so I think there's some guys in the bullpen who I don't mind uh, as well uh, like I think I think of a guy uh, like in their starting rotation like Kenny Matthews. Yeah, he's a guy. Uh, there's I mean he's 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 going to have to have a really big year in the top of that starting rotation uh, that they're going to need. I, I think there's there's guys individual guys I like. I don't know if they're going to be able to put it uh, put it all together and put them into in the playoff mix, but I think it'll be a step up for them for sure. Definitely, and part of the reason why Belair's here. Well, he got cut from rookie balls, and he's 26. So that's the real main reason, I think. And that's the reason, never mind. Yeah, uh, which really begs the question, why were they putting a 25-year-old at the time in rookie ball? Like, at least start him in, like, A ball or high A, right? Yeah, you're kind of wasting his time. You're kind of wasting his time and your time. Exactly. Like, just put the guy up higher. Like, if he flames out, he flames out. But, like, everyone knows you're not going to keep a 25-year-old that's in rookie ball. Like, come on. Like, that just seemed kind of odd, but 
whatever there. Overall, it's one of those. I, I want to look at more teams, maybe not batting focus, but teams I think are going to be a little bit more improved from last year. And the team that immediately pops out to me is Lake Erie. Because Lake Erie and Gateway were teams that I think we, we liked. I know I really liked Gateway last year. Uh, and they both finished respectably, but not great, both around 500. I really like Lake Erie this year. I really do. I, I like Jared Lemieux as a manager, first-year guy, yeah, but I, I like him coming off of Brooks Carey's staff. I like Brandon Dabson. I like Vincent Bird. I like a lot of guys here. Uh, Keenan Isteri, I like him. Chirino, obviously, you gotta love him. Sicknar Luke Stock, again, 80-grade name. He always pops up in these things. Love him. Love that name alone, even though he is a so-so player. Todd Isaacs, another good player. Obviously, you're noticing a lot of jackals here, uh, which makes sense, considering the manager and all that. J.D. Hammer's a guy I really, really like. Again, 80-grade name. Alexis Rivero, I really, really like him. Comes in from the American Association, all the time in the Frontier League. Dominant closer there. Really like him there. Perry uh, Bruley, Erbili. He was a really good pitcher on the NCAA level. So, again, I like that. I like Yasiel Santana. I think he's a solid pitcher. I think Sam Curtis is a really good bullpen guy. I think that there's some really positive things here that I like to see here. I think Angelo Bias could be a reliable starter. I think Nathan Holt's a good guy. I think there's a lot of really nice pitching here, and I think there's a really good uh, lineup to kind of complement it. Am I concerned about depth a little bit? Yeah. But overall, I, I really like this team. Are they a playoff team? I don't know. The uh, The West looks very competitive right now, so I'm hesitate to say that. But I do think they're right in the fight. They're right in the mix. I think they're in that kind of Joliet, you know, when we talk about Gateway, Gateway 2, right in there, that kind of mix where it's like maybe outside looking in, but one or two things go right, they could be a really solid team. Yeah, I think this is the best team they've had in quite in quite a while. I think in particular the the pitching really impresses me. I think the bullpen uh, for the most part is excellent. Little bit worried about the starting rotation uh, as, as far as depth wise. I'm wondering because uh, a guy like like JD Hammer, who is uh, I mean he, he had some big league time. I think yes, with the he Phillies did. The as Phillies. well. Yeah, yeah so white broom um, glasses. Yeah, then uh, didn't he have like the long hair too? Yeah, yeah, like Thor. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. I wonder if he still has that. But uh, but anyway, anyway, uh, yeah, I think the the depth of the I think the lineup is really improved. You got a lot of uh, again, it's a team that's a lot more built uh, around contact uh, than anything else. Not as much speed, I think, as you you would like with a team with a lot of contact. But hey, I mean, anytime you add add Santiago Torino uh, to your to your lineup at the top, I mean, you're you're going to be able to get on base. A lot. Uh, Michael Blank was apparently back playing. He hasn't played yeah. in quite a while. Yeah. I, Somerset Patriot legend. Uh, and I am interested as well to see what a, and I guess I don't want to say full season. I guess that's all you can assume. But I, a full season of Jack Harris uh, uh, is intriguing as well. A guy with five home runs in 13 games last year and hit 377 uh, in the Frontier League. It does a full season look different for him? Maybe. But I, I think the lineup is good. I think that the, the bullpen is good as well. Um, Trevor Consul, too, had, had a good year last year. 2021 Katsua Ketelier, so know him decently. But I, I think it's a, I think this is a team that I think is going to be, again, knocking on the door to the playoffs. I, you're really seeing a lot of 
uh, a lot of parity, I think, in this league so far. There's a very few teams that I'm really out on. Uh, but I think Lake Erie is going to be in the mix as well, and I think they're another improved squad. Yeah, honestly, the team that kind of remind me of is Ottawa from last year. In the sense of they're not an overly talented yeah. team. They're not a team that really you prick to do an awful lot of stuff. You're like, oh, they're a decent team, but like whatever on paper. But then when you start like watching them play, it's like, oh, this is a team. Like this team knows what they're doing. I get Ottawa vibes from that, where it's like there's not really too many guys on paper that pop out at you. Like, oh, yeah, this guy, this guy. But when you start looking into it more, it's like, you know, this does have a bit of an Ottawa feel. Getting the wild card, win the wild card game, ride the momentum. And I think like the best possible thing for this Lake Erie team, and this is going to sound odd, but the best possible thing is having to be in a dogfight all the way through September 3rd and getting in on those last few days, those last four or five days, that Memorial Day weekend. I think that'd be the best possible thing for them because they're having to fight and claw to get in and they have to put that kind of work in, that mindset in and be able to hold that mindset and just be able to finish the season the last three weeks with that kind of mindset, I think just helps tremendously. I think if they're a team that's in a playoff spot, it could very well be a one-and-done situation. Or if they're way out of it, obviously, then they're way out of it. But I think being in a dogfight would be the best thing for them. Certainly, they they could be in the mix. And I like the Ottawa com- the Ottawa comparison um, as well. I think, I think certainly they're... They are a much improved squad. Um, and it's just the one thing I also think about, though, Nick, is that this is a really tough division. Yeah. Um, so as, as good as this roster is, you know, as improved as I think this roster is, does, I don't know if it stacks up with the I don't I don't think it stacks up with the elite of the of the West uh, with, with teams like Washington. Um, but I, I think they'll be fighting and stretching and clawing for that third spot because I think they're going to have to. Uh, in because fairness, of how good this division is. In fairness, we said the same thing about Ottawa last year, too. And they were in a very difficult we East did. division. I mean, last year, what we say making the playoffs? We probably said Quebec. I mean, that'd be a pretty safe one to say. Uh, Tri-City, we likely said. And I imagine one of the Tri-State teams in either New York, Sussex, or uh, New Jersey. Yeah. My guess as to what I'm we said. For- were you, were you big on the boulders or was I big on the boulders? I, I think remember. you were big on them because I said they're going to finish three games or four games under 500. Like oh, yes, five years. yes, yeah. yes. I believe I that was it. Now. The team I was high on was, was uh, Three Rivers. I was really high on them because okay. like, I like this team. There's good batting. I like the pitching. And then they disappointed me. And I was like, you bastards backstabbed me. But by not living up to the potential, the hype I gave you, come on figure it out but yeah so i i just i feel ottawa with this team i feel like it could be an ottawa team maybe i'm way off maybe in four months i'm like really i said that it is what it is anywho that's the fun that's the fun that's the fun of the business exactly you get to see how wrong you are and then you're like oh i was that wrong really okay um yeah going over to uh, another team uh that could be an improved team maybe a little bit of a down year team gateway i think gateway is a team which is a either going to be really good or really bad i don't i don't know why i get that vibe from them it's just like i don't really love anything about this team but i also don't really hate anything like i like eric rivera a lot i like andrew penner a lot pete zimmerman's an interesting player to me uh clint freeman obviously solid player it goes without saying gabe holt did pretty okay in double a so i think he could do really well here pitching wise i like uh 
uh, Joey Gonzalez, who I just realized in the stat sheet, I just totally whiffed on putting his stats in, but he was with Tri-City last year and did all right. Uh, Colton Easterwood, I really like him. I like Weinbergs. I like uh, Josh Lucas a lot, former major leaguer in him. Uh, Zach Ryan, I like him. I like Garkow. There's some guys here I really like, you know, and I think this could be a solid team, obviously relying on pitching. That kind of goes without saying. Uh, but I think there's enough here where maybe they're challenging for a playoff spot. But, you know, I would also not be surprised in the least bit if you said, oh, yeah, they finished, you know, third from the bottom. Yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't really see it with this roster. Yeah. Uh, I think that I, I think the offense to me, I'm not a huge fan of. I think Freeman is I think Freeman is decent, but he's I think he's going to have to supply a lot of the power. Um a guy like Gabe Holt, who played double mm. A ball last year, but was really, really bad. I think is an interesting case. I don't really know what to, uh, what to expect there. I, I think I, I'm just not a huge, and even a guy, another guy that hit double digit home runs and Jarius Richards only hit 225. Mm. So I, I just, I don't really like this lineup. I think there's some guys that in this pitching staff, like I think Josh Lucas will be will be pretty good. Former big leaguer there too. Zach Ryan, I, I, I think will be, will be good as well. I think that there's some decent depth in this pitching staff. I don't really like the lineup. The bullpen is, I think, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what to think of, of the, of the I bullpen, like the bullpen. Quite yet. I like the bullpen, I think. I think. So I think the, the lineup I'm really not a fan of. I think the pitching's it's, okay. That's very fair. Uh, but I, I think the lineup I'm kind of out on. And so we'll see what happens, but I'm not expecting big things from Gateway this year. That's fine. Yeah, like I think it's very fair to be out on that lineup. It's not a very good lineup at all. Uh, like I said, with the exception of like really Rivera and Penner, the big two, I think, in that lineup. Uh, but that said, it's fair to not be high on them. I, I, I totally get that. The team bullpen wise and pitching wise i like it i think it's a solid pitching team i think there's enough there where i could say yeah this will be solid but yeah i get being down on them uh that said other team i think definitely improved and these are some of the teams over in the east i think there's two teams that really made a noticeable improvement new jersey's the first of them and i say that because if you look at the lineup whereas gateway does not really have a good lineup this team has a good lineup i mean Tyquan Forbes, Keon Barnum, Philip Irvin, Josh Rewalt, Alfredo Marte, and then a slew of other guys that are pretty solid additions here. Anil Rijo. Rio is another really nice guy there. I mean, there's just some really talented guys here. And among inactives, at least that were listed on the roster, you got guys like Martin Figueroa and Willie Garcia too. So this really could be a solid... Uh, a really solid batting team. Pitching-wise, I think it's a little bit more touch-and-go, especially with the way that their field is set up. I don't really know how it's going to work over in Hinchcliffe. I don't think it's going to go well for for pitchers, but hey, you never know. So, you know, that that's a bit of a concern. I like Lance Lusk. Nick Belzer is a guy I've always been high on. Anthony Rodriguez did pretty good for the Ferry Hawks last year. So he's not bad. John Baker is a guy I really like too. So there's guys here where I like them. It's just I'm concerned about getting high on this team. 
And uh, I'd be very concerned about picking them to do well in the postseason. If for no other reason than, remember, they're not playing their playoff games at Hinchcliffe. They're playing them at Skylands. So that changes the dynamic entirely. Now, Bobby Jones is involved with this team. He helped build this team with PJ. So he knows Skylands. He knows, you know, kind of how to help set up to win there. He's certainly done that plenty, ask any minor fan. But it's still something you have to figure in your mind. I, I think the lineup, first of all, first and foremost, I think this lineup absolutely bangs. Yeah. Uh, they, I think the lineup is fantastic. Um, and there's a lot of power. I mean, when you when I look at guys, when I look at a, at a lineup that, that's got Alfredo Marte in it, Philip Irvin, a former big leader, Keon Barnum, who's been uh, just really good, uh, and and even a guy like like a uh, Estrada uh, in the catching spot, he had, he had a great year uh, last year, and kind of uh, in, in indie ball, some in some in the lower levels of affiliated ball too. Um, I think you got a lot of power. Even a guy like Alex Toral, former Miami Hurricane, yeah. big home runner, strikeout guy, but he's got power, and I wonder how that's how that'll play. Uh, at Hinchcliffe, I worry about. I think the pitching. I don't really know what to think of it, uh, but I think that uh, first of all, they got a pitcher named Tuck Tucker, eighty grade name, uh, and I think John Baker. I think is gonna is the arm that I'm most confident in. Yeah. Uh, in this in this ro- in the starting rotation for sure. Uh, I I just worry a little bit about the pitching, uh, but I think the offense is good enough to make them a significantly better team than last year granted last year they also had a good offense and the pitching was abysmal and they were not good so we'll have to we'll, we'll see what what kind of team this ends up being but i think the lineup has a lot of depth that has a lot of power and it's really good it's just a matter of a lot of uncertainty about the pitching and how that plays at, at Hinchcliffe, at least in the regular season yeah exactly that's the thing like with this team it feels similar to how the jackals were built last year Right. Where like we were very high on them or like this is a really good hitting team that's going to do really well. And last year, really good hitting team. You know, guys like at that point, Dalton Combs, Josh Rewald, who is back, you know, those are like the two really big hitters, big players. There were a couple other guys in there that were really solid guys, too. And they just didn't get the job done. So like I'm a bit concerned about that. Like I still think they're a solid team, you know, obviously. You know, a really solid hitting team is what we can expect here. I think it really comes down to that pitching staff, though, and whether or not they're able to put it together. They put it together, then yeah, like this is a this is a definitely a championship contending team with just the amount of power there. It kind of reminds me, and it's no surprise because PJ's the manager. It kind of reminds me of that 2021 Lexington squad where it's like, yeah. you know, there's solid pitching. You know, the pitching's there, but like, look at all these heavy hitters. Look at all these guys that can just smack the crap out of the ball, and it's worked in the past, so maybe it works again. But I, I don't know why. I just get some vibes off this team where, like, either they're going to be top of the top of the league, or they're going to miss the playoffs. I don't know why. I just get that vibe. I, I do think that's fair, though. I, I think they have a they. This is a team that has a really high ceiling, but also a really low floor. So I, th- I don't. I don't think that's unreasonable to say at all. Hmm. Definitely. So. Uh, other team I think that really made notable improvements would be Empire State. And it's really weird to say because I expected to come into this preview going 10 wins. I was fully expecting to do that. Even with Mark Mason, even with some really better additions, I was expecting to see that. And this is one of those teams where like, admittedly, waiting the week, 
has changed my outlook on this team. I think they could win 25, 30 games, to be quite honest. And I say that because there's some decent and some intriguing guys here. Like Josh Sears, not much of a sample to go off of, but he's intriguing. Uh, Cespedes, again, intriguing. John Mead was good, NCAA level. I think he played like uh, Division II ball, if I'm not mistaken. J.R.D. Sarsin is solid. They have some Pioneer League guys that looked pretty good. Giolino, I like him. Uh, Argolino, I liked him. Uh, some pitching here is not bad. It honestly isn't that bad. You know, Artiga is really the guy where I think he's the best pitcher on this staff. He played yeah. in Mexico and did very well there. But honestly, other guys in here are not that bad. So, like, I think they're, they're still probably the bottom of their division. But I don't think they're, they're like, that awful. You know, like, I'll put it like this. If they were able to play home games, I think they could be a 40-win team. I, uh, 40, well. That's 40 and 56. Yeah, if they play home games. There's always, look, are they they vastly improved? Yes, they are astronomically improved from from last year roster-wise. I think Alejandro Ortega is, is, like, a guy who last year's Empire State team could not even dream about having in their having in their starting rotation uh i think there's there's some bats i don't mind obviously i think the 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 talent doesn't really stack up to the rest of the league uh however they are going to be a lot better they can definitely win uh win some games i think the other thing though is you just got to think about the and it's not something that we can really project but there's also that untold kind of uh, wear and tear on guys that are on the road for the entire season. Yeah, which is tough. It's a, it's a tough it's a tough position to be in, um, and I think that it's there's definitely a toll that that'll take. But uh, at the same time, I, will this team be good? No. Could I see them getting up to twenty to twenty five wins? I I honestly could. I honestly could as well. Uh, and I think this is definitely a team that can sneak in, in the last uh, last few series of the season when it's just the division and kind of wreck some havoc in that division and kind of uh in those games that so maybe some other teams are chalking up as victories kind of surprise and maybe decide on who gets a playoff spot and who gets uh, who's on the outside looking in so uh it, it's they're definitely better will they be good no uh but uh way better than last year wouldn't it be funny if they made the playoffs though it's not happening <laughs> It'd be funny though. It'd, It'd be, be pretty hilarious, yeah. I mean, like just Zach Whelan just tees one off in Game One of the Championship Series. <laughs> what a world that would be! Oh God, that that I'm I'm rooting for that reality. I want you to know that. Uh, looking elsewhere at teams that I think, well, looking at teams that kind of think stayed more or less the same. Swinging it back over, let's look at Evansville because I think that's a team that I think is going to be good again. They bring back Brahms. I like him. I like some other guys here uh, as well. Uh, Polonic, I think, is a solid pitcher. Watland, I think, is a solid pitcher. Tyler Vale, really good pitcher. Obviously, the small sample size from last year, not great. But in the past, before he got picked up, I think in 21, uh, he was very, very good uh, for the Otters as well. He, he throws gas so that's always good to see there uh dakota phillips i think is one of the better catchers behind the plate power wise at the very least 
And I think uh, guys like Jeffrey Baez, Rosario, I think those are some really good batters there as well. I think there's some really good guys here, although I think it's a really young roster. So I think more or less they say the same. Joe Morales is another guy that's pretty cool too. But, you know, uh, I think more or less stay the same. Maybe not the level of success that they had last year. Maybe not 52 wins. But if you told me like 49 to 51, yeah, 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 I think so. I think they're, again, a borderline playoff team. I wouldn't necessarily expect a huge postseason from them, if a postseason at all. But I definitely think they're going to play competitive baseball. And I think as a fan, that's really all you're hoping for. Yeah, I think they're a uh, they're a solid team. They'll be in the mix. I don't. I agree with you that I don't think they're going to be as good. Uh, I don't think they're going to be as good as last year. It's a. I I do like the lineup in a lot of senses. Again, it's a young squad, but I think it's a it's a team that's kind of based around contact. Jeffrey Baez can really run as well. Guys stole twenty six bases um, last year as well. So could potentially see him become a guy that could steal 35, maybe even 40 bags, hmm. uh, which could, would be a, a real big boost uh, to this lineup. I think they're, they're built a lot on contact, which is not bad. Dakota Phillips, certainly uh, one of the better uh, offensive catcher options uh, that there is in the frontier league. Uh, I don't know if they'll have enough firepower to compete with the team's at the top and not a team I'd pick to go to the, go to the, uh, go far in the playoffs. Should they get there? I'd probably pick them on the outside looking in. Uh, but I, I do think there is a decent squad. I think the pitching as the, uh, the, the pitching has the ability to be quite good as well. Yeah. Um, and, uh, they think a lot of guys, there's not a lot of frontier league experience in the pitching staff, which is intriguing, but uh, that also, uh, that, that also means that, Hey, this is a, a young team that, could there be a learning curve? Yeah, it could, you could also see this team becoming being a lot better in the second half of the season than they were in the first. Uh, so that'll be something to watch out for. I probably would make put them on the outside looking in, but I think they're a decent team. Yeah, definitely. I, I think that they're probably middle of the pack uh, when everything's all said and done. A team that I'm, I think I'm kind of interested in, and I think they got better, but not that much better. Is Florence? You know, like I like Chad Rhodes a lot. I think he's going to be a good manager for them. And obviously, there was kind of an up-and-down year for them last year. Not a good season in the end. Pitching-wise, you know, Kent Kleiman, I like him. Uh, McMahill isn't terrible either. Nate Florence, first off, perfect place for Nate Florence to wind up is with the Florence. That's very true. So I, I like that on that alone. Uh, Bobby Evan Bruchard, uh, Rob Band, I like him. Batting wise, I think they're better. Dean Nicola, I like. I like Brennan Price. I like uh, Taylor Olmstead. I also like him a lot. I don't know why. I just kind of like him. Uh, Cole Brennan, obviously too. And there's some other guys here that can hit. Jackson Pritchard is a decent catcher. Uh, you know, I think he's all right. Uh, there's some other guys in there as well, but overall, I think they're still kind of bottom half of this division. I wouldn't expect a lot from them, but they're they're an interesting team nonetheless. Yeah, I think they're I think they're decent, uh, and I think they're I think they're decent. First of all, uh, they get the champion for a lot of most Red Sox legends on the team. Oh yeah, because uh, Cole yeah Cole Brandon Cole Brandon was a a, a pretty high draft pick. Really? Uh, for the I I think. 
he can really run though. That was his big thing. It's uh-huh. you know, uh, guy who can. I think he's yeah, he stole thirty plus bags uh, last year. So um, he's still and moving as well as, as as well as Mike Kickham, who will be uh, he Mike Kickham. I'm stunned to see him in the Frontier League. He's got to be like 34, 35 at this point. But uh, the left-handed starter, I think he can definitely get outs uh in, in the frontier league so i think he'll be a, he'll be a nice veteran arm to have at the top of that rotation um i they're an int- this team is interesting to me i mean brendan price raked last year uh so he's like their big power threat but he is definitely like the biggest power threat uh and there's not a lot outside of him however there's a lot of speed uh on this team as well so i think they're intriguing uh, i think there's some i, I think the pitching's okay uh, but I, overall, I think, I think they're, I think they're decent. Uh, I, I think they'll be in the mix and, uh, I think them and Evansville are pretty, pretty comparable. I'd, say, I'd probably put Florence a little bit ahead of Evansville, but mm. I think the teams are not that far apart. Yeah, I, I definitely, I could see that. I think that's definitely a fair point here. I just, there's something about the roster overall that I just, uh, I'm just not really moved, you know? Yeah, I think, I think that's fair to say. Yeah. Uh, swinging back out east, uh, two other teams, eh, I guess three other teams to get to before we start really talking about the, the I think in both our minds, the two big heavy hitters, uh, New York, Ottawa, and Sussex County. Those are the three that aren't really those, you know, dominant forces, at least I think, uh, I do like New York. I think they are a playoff contender. I think that's fair to say David Vinsky, he's back. He was very good. Same thing as Chris. Quitzer, I like him. Pat uh, Vivilhan, I like him too. Very good in Japan for the past few years. Uh, Giovanni Garabella, I like him too. I think batting-wise, this is a solid team. Tucker Nathan's back again, obviously. So I like that element of it. But you always can hit well over in Rockland because you have short porches. So if you can play push or pull, you're good. And if you're fast as hell, if you could just hit the ball over the center fielder's head, you'll run for days. So that's not the concerning thing. Bullpen, always good as well. We've discussed that in the past. Starting pitching's the concern here. Uh, Sosa is the guy that I kind of expect to be the lead dog starting pitching-wise. Andy Hammond's a solid enough option here, but I just don't see enough in the way of starting pitching to feel confident here. I imagine Caden Lemons will be a starter for them as well. I don't really know who else is going to fill that role. So if you really only have three or four guys as a starter, uh, (laughs) that's going to be a trouble with two or three starters. I'd agree with that. I think they're... I think New York will kind of move back down to more of a more of an average team as well. I think the starting pitching is a big concern, especially in that ballpark. Uh, and granted, I, I do acknowledge that it could be tough to get high quality arms there, uh, just be, just because of that. So something to look out for as well. I think the uh, I think the Tucker Nathan's, of course, bringing him having him back in the fold will certainly help that offense. Uh, and they're going to hit; they always do. Uh, just a matter of can they pitch well enough? I don't. I lean towards no mm-hmm. uh, to be a, a legit contender. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. They're, they're interesting. I think on the other other team you mentioned too was Sussex County, and they're, look, they're five and one. Uh, I try not to let that uh, kind of impact things because I look at the Sussex County roster, and I don't know what yeah. you think, Nick. I don't really like it. 
Uh, I Fair. think the I think there's there's some guys on on the offense that I that I think are good. I think bringing Agresti over from from the Jackals is is solid, uh, and uh, I think a guy like Juan Santana is is going to be one of the better hitters on this team. Uh, I like Juwan Harris as well. I just I don't think I don't love the lineup. I don't think there's uh, I don't think there's a lot of power uh, here. And uh, however, I, I do think though. Uh, Juwan Harris, something to watch, or sorry, Will Zimmerman, something yeah. to watch for. Will for Zimmerman's him. a guy I really like. Forty-two really stolen like bases. Juwan Harris, thirty-four stolen bases. Those two are the big dogs. Uh, they get on. Watch them run. I think the pitching's really bad uh, for Sussex, yeah. and it, it's really yeah. bad. And I, Alex I Hart's kind of nice. Kind of. that Alex Hart's not that bad. Same there's Mo Claire, yeah. but I mean. Yeah, they have a couple good arms. Uh, yeah, I, I think that I think they're the 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 uh, the rotation is not good at all. Uh, in the in the I think they'll struggle. I frankly do not know how they're five and one, but that's why it's early. Uh, and Batting, so, that's how they're getting by. They're they're putting up yeah. a lot of runs. So that'll uh, so that'll be something to see that can sustain. I don't think it will. So I lean more towards Sussex coming back down to earth and not making the postseason this year. Yeah, Gavin Stupinski, I also think is a, a solid player. He's done well in Skylands before. And um, Willie Escara, I believe, is fresh off of a uh, Czech Republic game in the World Baseball Classic, if I'm not mistaken, as well. So like, he's not bad either. Uh, overall, though, yeah, I think it's an underwhelming team. Agreste, you mentioned as well as Santana. I really like those guys. I'm super high on Will Zimmerman. He's a really good fielder. He's a really good runner. I think he can hit. I think he's going to do very, very well. I look forward to getting up to Skylands solely for the purpose of watching Will Zimmerman because I really, really like him. And I think there are guys on this team that I think are really likable guys. But overall, I just don't I don't love the team. Like you said, it feels like a step back, which is to be expected with a first year manager. First time in Indy Ball, you know, all the, all the standards. The pitching is really going to be make or break for them. And I I I kind of agree with you. I lean more towards break there. Uh, certainly on that front there. So I think those are more middling teams there. And I think when we start to take out teams like New York, like Sussex County, and you have Empire State in there as well, it starts to open the door and clear up ways where Tri-City can get in. New Jersey has a clearer path. Ottawa is the team we're about to talk about. I think they're going to have a pathway in too. And obviously Quebec is kind of the team that always is there, even when they're not there, right? So uh, looking at Ottawa now, Jackie Urbaez, I really like him. I think he. this is a guy that really stepped up. I said before last year, great fielder, can't hit. Now he can hit, and so he's a very well-rounded player. AJ Wright's a guy that looked really comfortable in the Frontier League, looked really solid, really like him. Taylor Wright's another guy who, you know, 28 games, he looked all right. He looked pretty solid. He looked like he belonged. Uh, there's some other guys in here. Jamie Smart's a guy I like as well. Uh, Talamante, I like him. I like uh, Kai Modi. I like a lot of batters in this lineup. I think Gabe Snyder could also be a nice little surprise, too, coming over from the American Association. Zach Westcott, really hot start last year, tapered off. If he could go ahead and find a little bit more consistency, it could really be a problem in this league. Uh, Bercia was a guy who saw meaningful innings last year, too, as a starter. I like him coming back. And Matt Valen's a guy where I've been high on him since... 
really the Ottawa champion days when we get down to it. So I really like him as a pitcher. He threw some very clutch postseason innings for this team. Really kept the dream alive at a couple of points here. I believe there was one uh, situation last postseason. I forget who it was. I guess it would have had to have been Quebec. It was against bases loaded, no out jam. Got out of it. No runs. So, I mean, that that's some ice in the veins type pitching. And if a guy can get through that, I... I have uh, a lot of hope and, and expectation for him. Grant Larson's another dude. I like Ottawa. I think they could be a wild card team. Yeah, I agree. I think there's a, a, ro- a roster that is that is pretty deep. Um, I think the pitching is something that I'm a little bit weary about. I think the, the depth of the depth of the pitching staff, but a guy like Grant Larson, I, Larson out of the bullpen, I think is, is a fantastic option uh, to have, uh, as well as uh, as Pineda. Uh, Pineda had a 3.86 ERA last year. Uh, Zach Westcott, I think Westcott is going to have uh, a better year than his numbers indicated last year. I think I could see a step up from him. Uh, I don't love the depth of the pitching staff, and that's what makes me a little bit concerned uh, to put them on the uh, to kind of put them on the elite tier. I do think they are going to be right in the mix uh, for a wild card. I think there's a lot of bats uh, in 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 this lineup that I like. Uh, Probably uh, like even like a guy like Gabe Snyder, the 18 home runs a, se- a season ago and a near 260 hitter, uh, certainly certainly impressive. Um, and yeah, it's, there's there's a good mix of high contact guys as well as uh, as well as power bats in this lineup. So I, I think Ottawa will, will be quite good. I don't think they'll be. I would prob I wouldn't put them on the level of what I think of, of Tri City or like I, I think the big battle just in my head as it works out. Like I think Ottawa and New Jersey yeah. are going to be fighting and with maybe the boulders in there, the last spot, it's kind of how I'm thinking of it. But I think Ottawa is definitely a, a solid team and a team that could absolutely find themselves back in the postseason again. Yeah, definitely there. And I, I would also say, don't sleep on Trevor Clifton. I get the point on, uh, you know, not a lot of depth pitching wise, but he's a triple a guy who had a five eighteen in triple a. I think sure. he comes to the frontier yeah. league. He could really, he could really push, and a three-headed yeah. beast of Clifton, Westcott, and uh, Bercia could really be a nice combination for them, especially come postseason time if they get there. Agreed for sure. So uh, that's something to watch out for there. And I really wouldn't mind a Quebec Tri City or Quebec either Tri City or New Jersey Ottawa final. I think that could be a really fun uh, playoff series. Yeah. But um, we have, I believe, only two teams left to get to. Tried to avoid doing it in any particular order. Tried to group them a little bit here. And that's what this last bit is. It is, I think, two of the better teams, or at least the best two from last year. And the team that I think is probably the best one again this year in Washington uh, is where we'll head next year. Nick Gata, I like here. Uh, Nova, I like. Smaller sample size. And again, he played in Italy, but I do like him. I think he's done fairly all right to start the season as well. Scotty DeBruel, I like him. A lot as well. Andrew Check's a guy I like. Tristan Peterson, I think, has a lot of potential as well. Uh, a guy like Chaika has been slept on a little bit. In, he's, in, he's a college guy here, but overall seems pretty good. Anthony Brancato was a bright spot for, I believe it was Florence last year. So he's uh, definitely a solid player there. Ian Walters is a guy who's Mr. Consistency. He's going to hit about 280, and he's going to give you close to double-digit home runs every year. So, I mean, you can't really complain about that. Really solid lineup there. Pitching-wise, I think this is a really good team. A guy like Kobe Foster, I'm really looking to take that next step. Rookie of the year guy. He pitched out of his mind in his 11 games. 
believe they were all 11 starts, 8-1, and one, a 1 ERA in 63 innings, only 44 hits allowed in those 63 innings, solid as you can get there, a guy like uh, Christian James is another solid enough guy, I think he can work well out of the bullpen, uh, there's some other guys here that are more question marks, uh, Justin Showalter, let's see what he can do in a first full year of uh, Frontier action. Andrew Mitchell, a guy that reached AAA with the Mets. Uh, Stephen Knapp's a solid guy. Lucas Young's a solid guy. There's a lot of really solid dice pieces on this team. And it feels like even their weaker elements are still fairly strong. Their weaker side is league average. And so I really am high on Washington. Do I think they'll do well in the postseason? Well, we'll find out once we finish Washington Quebec talk. But overall, uh, this is a team that I think is a, a really solid well-built team uh, yeah i think they're fantastic i think this is a team that will be a title contender again will they will be able will they be able to get it done in the postseason i don't know but uh i think that that's the real question i mean anthony Bricado is the lead engine that makes them go i think in the uh with the power and is able to get on base i mean he slot 617 last year which is which is just absurd um even a guy like Ian Walters had a really good year. You have 300 hitters, guys who hit 300 up and down this lineup. Um, and I, I think the lineup is going to be really strong. I like the pitching as well. Uh, I think even a, like like Lucas Young as well uh, in the back end of that bullpen, a 164 ERA last year. I think he's certainly going to improve too. Uh, just, even Justin Showalter as well. I think uh, Showalter, a guy you could put in their rotation, could be pretty confident, will give you a lot of good innings as well. So I think a really strong roster. I think Stephen Knapp, too, I, I think I think is is due for a pretty solid year. Uh, and, and keeping a guy, keep an eye on a guy like Andrew Mitchell, and and uh, who's double A AA and triple A numbers last year were not very good. Maybe a move to the Frontier League can help that out as well. We've seen that quite a few times with the wild things turning pitchers around in that sense. So I, I think, I think this lineup is really good. I think they'll be at the top of, uh, I'll be, they'll be at the top of their division and just an overall really good team. Will they be able to get it done the postseason? That's the question, but they'll be really good in the regular season. again. Yeah, definitely without a doubt there. So with that, we'll go to the final team. We have to look at here. This is the Quebec Capitals reigning champions. We'll save them for the end. And that's what we did. This is a team that I'm not going to lie to you. The the start has got me a little concerned. Uh, before, I was really high on them. Now, I'm not sure what I think. Uh, LeBru, I like. I like uh, Lacroix. I like Kyle Kroll. I like TJ White, who's a player coach, too, by the way. Hits 26 home runs last year. Jamari Profar is a guy I like. I like David Glaude. I like a lot of pieces on the team. I think pitching-wise, Pete Tago is the interesting guy. Franklin Parr is a solid guy. Uh, uh, Incarnacion's a guy which balled out in rookie ball. I assume he's a bit of an older guy, and that explains that. Uh, Montescala, I like him as well. Uh, there's a lot of guys I like here. Kenny Pearson's a guy I really am high on as well, and even Chambly's here from uh, the Dirty Birds last year. So there's a lot to like about this team, and like if you told me, oh, this is just a, a little bump in the road in May, and then they're going to be off to the races from June on, I'd totally believe you. I, I'm just a little bit concerned about the start they've had, but at least on paper, I do like the team. Encarnacion, Marcos Encarnacion, and yes, he's 27. Uh, and that, and that, that, rookie, that rookie ball 
mark as insane as it was by the way yeah. uh he allowed th- three earned runs in 31 innings two walks to 40 strikeouts four zero <laughs> Uh, holy mother why do you leave him in rookie ball like bump the dude up to at least high a he's he's 27 i think well so he was 23 so that was in 2019 oh okay okay um okay and has pitched very little since then so i don't really know what he is at this point yeah yeah, injuries even still though a 23 year old struck out 40 guys while allowing three earned runs in rookie ball why is he in rookie ball put him in high a at that point put him in low a even yeah i've that, that makes sense. Answer. That team did a disservice with his management. Uh, I think, look, I think the roster is really good. I don't know if I, I look at this team and I say juggernaut, but I think they're really good. Uh, and there's, you know, there's some guys uh, here like, like David Glaude who had a really good year last year. Uh, TJ White, of course, bringing the power and he, he had a fantastic year. Uh, a year ago, uh, and Jeremy Profar. I mean, he's a guy that I'm really high on as well. Uh, that is that I think is that I think is going to be good. I think, and then you're relying on a lot of other younger younger guys who had who had big time success uh, in college. I think on the pitching end of things, there's Franklin Parra. Certainly, certainly, uh, I like out of the bullpen uh, as well. I think a guy like Pete uh, Pete Tago as well. Uh, he's He's interesting. A guy who threw in, uh, in AAA in Mexico and numbers weren't great. A lot of walks, uh, so that's going to have to get cut down. I think Kyle Mott was was decent. He threw some for the High Point Rockers as well as in the Frontier League last year. I don't know. I think I think they're good. I think they're good. I think there's a lot of talent here. I don't know if um, if I look at them and I say like, wow, that team's that team's just going to steamroll the the division. Like I like the way I kind of think Washington will in the other division. I don't yeah. really view Quebec in the same way, um, but they're still good, and I still think they're a playoff team. Uh, and I will that start is certainly going to be something to monitor. Absolutely, it absolutely will be. And so we've gone through each of the teams here. I guess uh, we'll go to predictions and just overall thoughts to wrap up. I think at least I'll start from the overall thoughts part of it. The my overall consensus, the East is going to be a lot more tighter packed. It's going to be a much more competitive division in the sense of it's harder to really predict where things are going to go. I think the West is the higher talented division. I think it's going to be the division that produces the best baseball. And I think we're going to get the champion from the West uh, this year because overall it just is a really stacked division. There's three or four teams that are really good over there. In the East, I don't feel that way. It doesn't seem like, you know, there's that many great teams, that many teams that really can run away with everything as it does in the West. So I think overall, that's what I'm looking at is a West division that's really strong and has a really good team left on the outside looking in and a uh, an East division where maybe a weaker team sneaks in and is able to go on a bit of a run. Yeah, I, I think you could definitely you could definitely see that, um, and uh, I, I'd probably agree with that at least at least so far too. That it seems to uh, kind of proven it out that the West Division is the has been the, the stronger division. So I know it'll be interesting. I think there's a lot of teams that are in the mix. I don't think there's one overarching dominant team uh, at least so far that that I see, that you see on paper. But of course, games aren't played on paper, and we'll see how that shakes out. But I think it should be a really, really fun league this year and a race that goes down to the end. 
Yep, definitely. No doubt about that. So uh, all we really have left to do to wrap up the Pioneer, or not Pioneer, the Frontier League preview, Pioneer League next week, uh, is just predictions. Three playoff teams and uh, I guess your championship matchup with winner. So you want to start or you want me to kick it off? Oh, I, I could start it. All I right. think uh, I think in I think in the East, my prediction is going to be uh, I'm I'm actually going to put Tri City at one. I okay. really believe in them. I know I I know they're two and four. I I think I think this is the year. I think they have so much talent, uh, and I I'd put them at one. So I'm going to go Tri City one. I'm going to go Quebec two. And I'm going to go New Jersey three. Okay. Uh, so I I think teams the teams are really going to slug it out, and I think the I think. Ottawa is going to be just on the outside looking in, as well as the Boulders. But those are my three teams in the East. In the West, I have Washington as my uh, as my number one team. I have uh, I, and I'll have Florence and Schaumburg as my Florence. as my other teams. Right, uh, so I do like Florence. I do like them a lot. Uh, and I think that a team like Lake Erie is close, and I think they just miss it. Mm. Uh, but I think then uh, to which I guess wildcard games or whatever i think yep. you'll see in the east finals i think i think you'll see tri-city and quebec in the in the east finals i think you'll see um i i think in the west i'm never gonna bet against schaumburg so i'm gonna go washington schaumburg uh, rematch. In, that, in that west a rematch is right uh and i think i'm gonna go tri-city versus washington in the championship game i think washington finally breaks through okay uh their their playoff schneid and then in the championship, could go either way. I lean towards Washington's pitching in a in a playoff series, so I'm going to go with them. I'm going to go Washington over Tri City. All right, I can definitely see that. Like that makes a lot of sense to me. The thing is, for me with Tri City is, I have to see you do it for me to believe in you. And the thing is, three years now, slow start. Obviously, things could turn around very quickly this year, so maybe not calling it a slow start quite yet. Maybe we have to wait two more weeks before we call it a slow start. But that means something to me, at least in the East. You know, I it's hard to say. I'm I'm a believer in Quebec still. I think for them, they've proven to me enough where I've taken Quebec there. I'm looking New Jersey and I'm looking Ottawa. Those are the teams where I really like them. Again, I just feel like Tri-City, again, needs to break through. I'd like to see them make the postseason. I think they could be a really fun team in there. And I think if they make it, it's New Jersey they're kicking out. I feel like Ottawa is that go to whoever's hosting the wild card game again type of team. And I just really like that team. I don't know why I really am big on them. I'll agree mostly in the West too. I like Washington a lot. I'm going Lake Erie over Florence. I'm in love with that roster and they just have some lovable underdog vibe there. And I'm going Schaumburg for the same reasons you did. It's hard to bet against Schaumburg. And that's kind of why I'm going Schaumburg to the final again. I think they win the wild card game. I think they beat Washington again. I think it's going to be really heart crushing for Washington fans to lose the Schomburg two years in a row. Yeah, no. Two or yeah, no. It would is it two or three? I think it may be three. I think it's three. Yeah, because they lost in twenty one to them because they beat yeah. Quebec in round one, then they lost to Schomburg. Man, this would be heartbreaking to lose to a team that you just dog raced in the. In the regular season, three years straight, that would be heartbreaking. I'm really rooting for this now. Uh, but yeah, I part of me wants to just go way off the track, say it's Schaumburg, Ottawa, really watch it there. Part of me wants to be boring and say like it's Schaumburg and Quebec again. 
I don't know. It's hard to say because playoffs are really hard to predict. I'm going Schaumburg over Quebec, though. I think that's the way it works out. This is just a team I'm I'm very scared about picking against in the postseason. And it's just a matter of getting there. If they can get there, I think they win it. And that's as simple as that. Ottawa's a team where I think we'd have a more fun series because Ottawa's a really scrappy team. And I like watching scrappy teams play each other. So, you know, I... I, I've, I'm going to go Schaumburg over Quebec. I like going off the map a little bit. And why in the American Association, we didn't really get too crazy with it. You know, I think what we pick again, uh, I think I picked uh, Kansas City and Milwaukee again. So here we're not going to do, We're I guess I got another rematch again, come to think of it now. Uh, but this time a little bit of a different result. So uh, give me Schaumburg and Quebec. I like the way those teams are built. If for nothing else, then they're playoff contenders and they're good enough to get there. And that's really what the hallmarks are. Fair enough. Yep. So that's the way uh, we have it shaken out. Any final thoughts on the Frontier League before we wrap up the two-hour and roughly 10-minute long episode that we are on? Well, I think that if this isn't the year for Tri-City, if, if not now, then when for Tri-City? That's all. That's what I'm going to leave everyone with. Yeah. So would you say that Tri City is the team with the most stakes in this, where they have the most? Oh, absolutely, most to, most to lose, absolutely. You mean like I feel like it's them or Washington, because at least with Washington like, would be second. Washington's yeah. up. Th- the reason why I say Washington's slightly over Tri City is Tri City, yeah, copy and paste the same year twice. Same thing for Washington, and Washington's won before too. Like they've they haven't won a championship, but they get there, they get to the edge, and then they don't quite get there. They're like the Carolina Hurricane in a way, right? Where yeah. they're really good in the regular season, they can win a round or two, but then when the rubber hits the road, they can't do it. And that I think is worse than not even making the dance. Because at least if you didn't make it, you could say, "Well, we just weren't that good. We ran out of steam, whatever." When you have the regular seasons that Washington has, it doesn't really matter anymore because it's like, great, you, you had a great regular season. Again, what did you do when it mattered? And it, it, there's a different element to it, right? Because you are that good. You are good enough to get the job done. You just didn't. And I think that hurts a bit more. So for me, Washington's that team. Yeah, I, I think there's a good, and certainly because of the, so I think, both of them, yeah, both of them are right up there. Both of them have so much to lose this year. That's why I think they'll beat the championship. Yeah. Let's see. Well, that's why it's going to be like Evansville and uh, Empire State that mean the championship. That's, that's how it always goes. Because so. that's how it has to be. All right. Let's wrap this up, get to the plugs, and get out of here. Uh, if you want to find the show on social media, you could do so at IndieBallPod on Twitter at ALPV underscore news and at IndieBallReport on Instagram. You can find links to everything, which is really just one link today uh, in our show notes, which is on the website, IndieBallReport.com. All the episodes we mentioned, the the interview with Vershave and some other interviews with many uh, Frontier League guys, uh, that's on the website as well, IndieBallReport.com again uh, for that so there's that. And if you want to find the show, you can find it wherever you find podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, Podbeam, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all the major platforms have the show. Rate, review, subscribe if you're able to, to help the show grow and continue to succeed and thrive. Uh, with that said, do we have anything else left to add this week before we wrap up the show? Um, well, crazy hockey game. Yeah. You uh, game one of the Eastern Conference Finals. I don't know how they're going to get on the ice to play game two, but apparently they're going to have to uh, on the day that everyone's listening to this on Saturday. Yeah, exactly. So, 
God be- bless those guys that are going to have to go out there and play after playing two and a third hockey games. He reminds me of the uh, North Dakota Minnesota Duluth game from a couple years True. back. That was wild. Six overtimes, if I'm not mistaken here. And North Dakota had to play the day before, too. And I still believe that's why we lost that game. Duluth didn't have to play. We did. And when you get to six overtimes, I think it's fair to say that playing the three periods the day before matters. But, but, yeah. Uh, I really don't have much, if anything, to add. So I guess uh, we'll just wrap it up with uh, next week, Pioneer League. Look forward to that. And until then, don't forget to play ball.